Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. One final day of no Jake Query. He's probably en route as we speak uh, to getting back to the States. And in true Jake Query fashion, Mark Dykton decided to pull a Jake. Um, oh, come on. His final day as co-host, Mark frantically texting me at 645 of, I've lost my wallet. And it's not that I lost it. I forgot to bring it. I forgot to bring it, yeah. I was bringing out the trash this morning, and we were throwing out some toys from the girls had. They were like, we, we don't need this. To, we don't need to carry this over into the spring. So we're putting stuff out, out and it was one of those candy. things where it's like, okay, I'll get going. And then I got to the garage. I was going to scan my key card again. I was like, oh, I don't have my wallet. Well, that stinks. And I was like, oh, wait, Kevin's not here yet. He's usually a, a late arrival, so I'll shoot him a text instead of bothering Sam. And you let me in. Prompt so, arrival instead of late. I, 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 I like certainly that. have developed a prima donna complex in my time behind the board, so I appreciate that, Mark. Yeah, yeah. You're Dan Flash's model. Well, I don't Sam was busy. You. He was putting together some Phillies home run highlights from last night as they take a 2-1 lead. Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber continuing um, to do them throughout this postseason. What a scene last night in Philadelphia. Um, quite the atmosphere. And a little maction victory for the Ball State Cardinals. Down 13-0, they come back. To beat Kent State. It was a very busy sports day yesterday. There was a lot going on. It was an NFL trade deadline unlike any other. Um, What, 20 players moved in all at the trade deadline, and that extends to last week. I think 10 specific deals yesterday. And right in the final minutes, Naeem Hines off to Buffalo. Um, Hope the Bills win a Super Bowl title with Naeem Hines. Do they have Bo Jangles? I was thinking about that. Orchard Park needs a Bojangles or two. Yeah, he will be um, sorely missed. Uh, obviously, the firing of Marcus Brady is something that we can get to as well. I'm just sitting here, Mark, and thinking to myself, like, in a week, you have benched the quarterback that Jim Mersey was calling Peyton Manning-like leadership. Uh-huh. We have Matt Ryan. Yeah. You're correct. Um, mm-hmm. You fired your offensive coordinator, the first in-season staff firing in the Frank Reich era. Uh And you have traded away, arguably, and shout out to Jason for this, donated Naeem Hines. Basically. One of the Colts that in the offseason you lauded to the nth degree and I think would consider one of kind of your core players this offseason. And, you know, Mark, I was a big fan of open-minded, selling, those things. Again, Hines didn't necessarily fit the ideal criteria for me. And then when you see the return on him, Zach Moss, whatever. I mean, he's been inactive the last two weeks for a team that is looking for a running back, clearly. Uh-huh. Or hasn't played, I should say, the last two weeks. And then when you look at Buffalo's draft picks, and I want to confirm with Stephen Holder a little bit later exactly what the conditions are. A six-round pick can turn into a fifth. This is Buffalo. Buffalo is drafting... Way late. Yep. 
in the round. This is not Detroit's sixth round pick or Carolina, you know, whoever is going to be near the top of those rounds. So uh, overall, I'm just a little disappointed by the return. Um, I wasn't overly optimistic on it, but I would much rather say keep Zach Moss and bump that pick up to, uh, I don't know, fourth, fifth, something like that. Yeah, I thought, I had said yesterday, I would have been surprised if they even reached a fourth form. But then when I actually saw the return, I'm like, well, that's a late sixth. Even even if it's a fifth, it's a late fifth because everybody, I mean, Buffalo by all accounts will be a very late draft pick regardless. They're at the top of the AFC. They're looking really good. So you basically handed off Naheem Hines and you took on Zach Moss, who I, I, I don't know if you were hinting that he was the charity case that you're you're taking on, but Zach Moss hasn't done much. You keep thinking he was going to supplant Devin Singletary and it just never happened. So now you've got basically a lesser running back and a low late sixth or maybe a fifth round pick. I mean, I and and the only move you made was Naheem Hines. It wasn't like Naheem Hines was the first of a couple picks or, or moves. That was the right. only move you made. So Ryan Kelly's still here. There was no Stephon Gilmore that got moved or anything like that. So you walk away from the trade deadline with a late sixth that maybe turns into a fifth. And Zach Moss, I totally understand why my timeline was blowing up with fans that were pissed. And I didn't... um. I mentioned this late in the show and credit somebody in the YouTube chat um, for this. I tried to stress yesterday when we had Joel Erickson on, I found it very odd, Mark, that Adam Schefter tweeted out about Naheem Hines and interest from multiple teams, and that was the only name he mentioned around the league yesterday. Or I guess I would have been going back to, what, Monday night. Was this a trade request? That Did Naheem the- Hines won out? That was... Some of the speculation that was going around, I, I, like how, why would you, if there was multiple teams involved, how did you land on Buffalo for Zach Moss and a late sixth? If that if there was multiple teams involved, surely there was going to be better offers than that. Yeah, you know, part of me thought that, but part of me again just thought Naheem Hines has been, and I don't think he's been demonstrative or very public with it, but he's rightfully so frustrated with the constant quarterback carousel, the words in the off season not leading to the actions during the season. Um, he his playing time has not increased really at all this year. Um, the fewest rushing attempts of his career per game, his receptions per game is right kind of like middle of the pack if you look at his five seasons. Um, and I guess I'm just a little bit on the fence of like a Ryan Kelly move where you have more cap savings. He's an older guy. He's a little bit more of an injured guy. Certainly Hines has been very durable. And then I don't necessarily know if there's like a Danny Pinter at running back. You know, I get Deion Jackson as a guy that people like, and I feel like his skill set, though, is not what Hines is. You know, Hines, again, is a unique weapon, versatile, line him up at wide out, shift your guy. I think he's got a little bit more of a big play ability. I don't see that with Deion Jackson necessarily. Um, so I think a little bit disappointed on that end of – I viewed Hines as a guy that still could be a piece for you for the next couple of years and help out whatever you're doing at quarterback. I thought there were some other guys in this roster that I wouldn't have viewed in that light that could have also got you to the cap savings and probably netted you a very similar value. I will be shocked if the Buffalo Bills don't take Naheem Hines and I mean he's he's they're going to use they're going to use him the way the Colts should have used him this season, but now you've got Josh Allen, you've got Stefan Diggs, you've got a whole bunch of guys and you, you make him a gadget guy. You can make him a slot receiver. You can do and whatever you want. They've been looking for this sort of piece. Yeah, he's a dynamic. Yeah, they drafted James Cook. Wide receiver. 
they, they, they're going to have some fun with him. Yeah, they That's drafted it. James Cook out of Georgia, a guy that they thought would kind of be in this role. Uh, like you said, Mark, they've rotated a lot of running backs in. Devin Singletary probably being their, their main guy over the last couple of seasons. So, Naheem Hines off to Buffalo again. We'll chat with Stephen Holder coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, try to get a confirmation on exactly what those conditions are. Is it playing time related for the sixth rounder? Hold, Holder seemed to hint that, that this is not a trade request. They said he, he said he was also not going to fight a trade, but he wasn't demanding openly demanding a trade or anything like that. So I thought Schefter said it was a trade trade request. I I, I could be wrong yeah, on well, that, but I thought Adam Schefter. We'll, we'll clarify with Stephen at eight o'clock, but yeah, maybe a little later. I kind of did like a post game headlines kind of tweet with the Naheem Hines thing, and oh boy. Fan reaction was not not overly kind. Yeah, did I see you do a poll or something? I did a poll. Okay. I did, well, I did a what poll. Were the I did a said poll. Let's see. Let's let's see what we're looking at here. Uh, the poll was very simple. Colts fans grade your the trade for Naheem Hines uh, in return running back Zach Moss in the conditional sixth round pick. Since Twitter only allows four options, I gave you A, B, C, or F. Oh, F is winning. D. No, no. <laughs> Figure figured D and F are relatively close. Granted, oh, D is a little bit more passing. Let the Jake right now. But, yeah, so maybe Elon can add a, uh, a fifth option, but only four for Twitter at the moment. <laughs> uh, F, by far and away, is the winner, 55% with that one. Uh, there's still nine hours left to vote if you want to try to swing the swing the balance here. But C, 35.1, B, 7%, and then A, 2.9%. Wondering if uh, Ballard's burner accounts are pushing yeah, on A uh-huh, for that one. Right. So, yeah, so F, by far, and then fan reaction, obviously, if you can imagine if they're – Majority's giving you an F. You're not really, you're not really getting any uh, kind words sent your way. So maybe you can read some of those a little later that that caught my eye. We will uh, give a little rundown on the free agent list for the Colts looking ahead to next year because with today's or I guess yesterday's trade deadline, you know you'll have decisions to make on all of those guys in contract years, um, and also a rundown on the draft pick situation for the Colts in 2023. Obviously, going to touch on Marcus Brady here in a few minutes. Uh, but, Mark, I thought your Bears, good work with Chase Claypool. I'm obviously biased as a Notre Dame fan. Um, I think Claypool is a guy that in particular can help young quarterbacks in that you just throw it near him, and his catch radius is very impressive. He can make those plays. Post-catch certainly can help you out. So no matter what, Justin Fields or whatever they end up doing at quarterback, I know Fields has played a little bit better as of late. Uh, I think Claypool's a nice nice move for them. Yeah, I like the move a lot. I said LFG on, on Ooh, Twitter, wow. so you can look, okay. that, look that up if you don't know what that means. Your daughters don't know what that means. They don't, not yet. But, um, yeah, I like the move. I've been asking for weapons for Justin Fields. You add one. Granted, you had to give away your second-round pick, not the one that you acquired from Baltimore for Roquan Smith. So you had to pay a little higher price. I'm okay with that because we talked to Dane Brugler yesterday, and he said the wide receiver group uh, in the 2023 draft class He's not he's not not really enamored with guys that can go very high, so I'm like that's fine. I also heard later that the Packers were in the running for Claypool, yeah, saw so you that. Had to pay they a little higher offer price. A second rounder, you get you take away from the Packers any day of the week. I'm I'm a happy man. So yeah, that's a, a very, big win. Very, that might be the biggest win for the Bears. Very excited to see what Chase Claypool does with Justin Fields. Now you have uh, take some pressure off of Darnell Mooney, that wide receiver group for the for the Bears. You still could probably add a guy in the draft or in the uh, free agency, but I like what they did. 
I like what they did a lot, and they, they've got still a, over a handful of draft picks for 2023. Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins, I would say that was probably the biggest mm-hmm. AFC move yesterday. Uh, NFC-wise, TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings, kind of rare. You see an intra-division. That one, that one surprised me, an intra-division one. That was the first one I saw of the day, and that one caught me by surprise. Maybe the Lions will stop drafting tight ends in the top. 15 or top 10. Eric Ebron. <laughs> Don't tempt them with a good time. TJ Hawkinson. So you look at the Colts. They play the Vikings later this year. Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen. That's Oof. a pretty good skill group for Kirk Cousins. The Vikings have certainly been, uh, I think, one of the early season surprises. Again, Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins. How about the uh, Jaguars acquiring Calvin Ridley? Yeah, I, um, I guess we had a couple of news items yesterday of a player in Ridley and maybe a coach in Ime Udoka, they can be, which Ridley's suspended by the NFL. Mm-hmm. Udoka's suspended by the Celtics. I, I'm I, a little confused on probably more of the Udoka front. I was curious, the fact that the Pacers got Steve Nash fired, can that count as another win for me? I I mean, you can ask, you can ask whoever you put the wager down on. Yeah, I'm going to shoot customer support customer in chat. email today. Yeah. I should get one more there. Got to think, right? One, one and a half. And they fired him after a win because they beat I the know. Pacers. Well, I guess maybe they're the- so pissed from the night before, the mm-hmm. game before. Like, you need to go, Steve Nash. Maybe the twenty-four point comeback. I'm glad that the Nets looked at their their roster and staff. It's a Steve Nash. He's the problem. <laughs> right. Need to get rid of him. Uh, so Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins, Mark. That's a couple now win now moves the Dolphins have made with Tyree Kill in the offseason. Um, this move. Uh, they trade Chase Edmonds, a first-round pick, back to Denver. Teron Armstead. Uh, Teron Armstead, definitely, at left tackle, would qualify as that. Uh, Miami right now in a very crowded um, grouping right behind Buffalo in the AFC East. So it was a very active, active trade deadline. There's Dolphins this Sunday. There's going to be a lot of new faces on both teams. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting. So Bradley Chubb, Chase Claypool, uh, uh, Jeff Wilson, so that – yeah, they got a lot going on. Your uh, initial reaction when you saw the Marcus Brady news? Uh, well, I think it was similar to Twitter. It's like, well, that's a scapegoat move, I feel like, because d- are we fooling anybody thinking that, he, yes, he said it said offensive coordinator in his title, but we know this is Frank's, Frank Reich's offense, right? Like, Frank Reich taking over for play calling is not going to change Yeah. Uh-huh. after Marcus Brady getting let go. So. I mentioned to you on your on your Twitter. I said this seems like the first of many firings from that coaching staff on the on the Colts this year. Uh, yeah, Marcus Brady. I'm calling it a scapegoat move. I, I mean, you wish him well, but he was not the problem. The problem is still in the building. You know, when you look at the coordinators on the Colts coaching staff, the responsibility on Marcus Brady's plate far different than the responsibility on Gus Bradley's plate, or even Bubba Ventrone. You know, Bubba Ventrone and Gus Bradley are the sole main overseers of their unit. Uh, Like you said, Mark, this is Frank Reich's offense. I cannot stress that anymore. Frank Reich is heavily, heavily involved in the offensive meetings, the offensive play calling, the offensive system. You know, Marcus Brady is not even a guy that comes from the Chargers-Eagles coaching trees. Um, He's a CFL guy that came here initially as an assistant quarterbacks coach and has been promoted to the main quarterbacks coach. And then when Nick Sirianni left to go to Philly, um, he became the OC. I don't know how much we talked about this when that move happened, but I always thought the Brady promotion was a little interesting to me, Mark, in that I can't think of a 
180 from a personality standpoint, emotional standpoint, than Nick Sirianni to Marcus Brady. Like, you think Frank Reich is subdued? Wait till you see Marcus Brady. Yeah. Um, And not to, like, you know, act like I've got some rich experience as a CEO or a manager, but I think when you talk to people in those sorts of roles or you talk to people that are hiring people below them, while you want the message to be consistent, I think it's important at times to make sure that you've got different personalities, different styles of teaching, coaching, whatever you want to call it, underneath you. And that's why I thought the Reich-Siriani balance was so good. Obviously, Sirianni had experience with Reich. Sirianni was a part of this offensive system with the Chargers. Uh, but I think when Sirianni's leading those offensive meetings Monday through Saturday, it's a different personality. It's a different style. I think players resonate more with Sirianni's style than Brady and Reich's uh, style. So you can we- just tell that Sirianni's got more of a you know, he's more dynamic and fired up on the sidelines. Like when they make a play, like yes. he's oh, jumping, yeah. he's running around, he's pumping his fist. Frank Reich, I mean, you couldn't tell me he wasn't at a funeral sometimes when he's on the sidelines. And again, I think Marcus Brady falls into that boat. So I was always kind of a bit confused by that, thinking these guys are such similar personalities. Yeah. Is that too redundant? Um, you know, as far as what is Brady's, you know, Monday through Saturday obligations, there, you know, it's a little bit of vagueness and, and, um, again, we'll ask Steven a little bit more about that. He's involved with game planning. He's involved in leading some of those meetings. Um, it is a collaborative effort. And, okay, this position coach and that position coach, you all formulate a game plan. But at the end of the day, Mark, Frank Reich is the ultimate decision yeah. maker of everything that goes on offensively. If he doesn't like something that's being installed, then he just simply won't put it into that game plan. So, And when Marcus Brady ever even, like, push back on Frank Reich for anything. Like I feel like Nick Sirianni would push back on something. Right. Like, well, I think we should do it maybe this way. I feel like Marcus Brady, like, okay, Frank, whatever you say. I'm sure there's some pushback, but I would agree with you. I think Sirianni would probably feel more comfortable doing that, and Frank has history with him. So naturally, I think as a human, you're going to feel more comfortable uh, maybe listening to that person. But, I, yeah, scapegoat's exactly the word I used when I tweeted yesterday. Um, a couple other thoughts I had about this. You know, if you're really trying to create the most like stable environment around Sam Ellinger, is if the offensive coordinator has an important role behind the scenes, is firing that guy a week into the Sam Ellinger era the best move? Um, and then the other thing is, I just feel like this is even more on the Frank Reich plate. Yep. And I've always had questions about that. Is too much on his plate. Um, with this, and now all of a sudden you're putting a lot more Monday through Saturday responsibility for Reich offensively. Um, I'm not going to sit here and act like the offense doesn't have issues. Clearly they do right now. You haven't had a halftime lead since Christmas. You haven't scored on an opening drive all season long. Think about that. That's when you script it. That's when it's all you know heavily coaching influence of this is the play, these are the plays we like all week long, and you haven't been able to put any points on the board the offensive line issues, the turnover issues, and I just keep on sitting here and thinking to myself, Chris Strasser, the O-line coach, continues to survive all this? Somehow. He must have must know where the bodies are buried, I guess. Yeah, some blackmail? There was a, uh, there was a tweet by Aaron Lemming, who's a Bears reporter who I follow, uh, responding to a – he subtweeted a, the Ian Rappaport report that they 
fired offensive line uh, coordinator Marcus Brady said, this is like Matt Nagy firing Mark Helfrich a few years ago, scapegoating the guy, the guy who doesn't call plays, to my knowledge in Indy, makes little sense and shows plenty of desperation. I mean, I couldn't agree with that more. Like, you, It's like the, the, the call's coming from inside the house. Well, and, you know, Mark, the franchise is just, frankly, it's just in shambles right now. I mean, you went over it. We have Matt Ryan. Less than a week later, you got Sam Ellinger. Marcus Brady's fired. You're giving up Naheem Hines for a sixth-round pick and Zach Moss. I mean, it's just the offensive line that you've spent all this money and time in is a complete mess. The wide receiver group, a lot to be desired still. It's just – it's one of those things where you're you're seeing all this stuff from the outside and you're like, how are they not seeing it on the inside? That this team was never contenders, that this team has just a lot of issues and they just need to just completely – Stop doing the same thing they've been doing for the last couple of years and go in a different direction. We've been asking for it, and we're just seeing, like, I mean, it's just, it, it is a circus right now. That's all it is. It's a circus without a, like, without a net. Yeah, you're you, on the tightrope, and you're just walking, but there's no safety net to catch you. Again, you are in shambles um, right now as a franchise, and we still haven't got to the three most important pieces of your franchise and the questions you have there of quarterback, head coach, and GM. A couple other thoughts I had, trade deadline, Related from yesterday. And again, Stephen Holder going to join us at 8. Brian Newbert, uh, we'll get a Purdue basketball preview as we continue those. Um, he's going to join us at 8.30 and talk a little Pacers with Alex Golden at 9. Um, the lack of moves yesterday, maybe just offering some respect to Naheem Hines and kind of doing what I think he wanted. Is that something where Chris Bauer looks at it and says... I'm a little nervous about my job situation. I don't want to sell at the deadline. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Um, that is a thought. The other thought, Brady-related, and I've brought this up with IU football this season, Mark. Tom Allen fires their offensive line coach a couple weeks ago. If you were to point out one position group that's failed IU more than anything this season, it's been their O-line. Do they get to a point at the end of the season where Scott Dolson simply says, hey, we felt like the offensive line was just the big, big issue. We've made oh, yeah. a move there. We're going to give Tom another chance. Obviously, I would argue that, again, no one cares about IU football to the level of wanting to pay that buyout. But is that what the public message is after the season? Most likely. It, is that what Marcus Brady is at the end of the year? Like, do the Colts look at this and say, Hey, you know, we feel like we've made some staff changes. It's not something that we typically do under Frank Wright. You know, is he the final scapegoat in this season, or is this simply the move that sets up bigger moves in two and a half months? I mean, you'd hope it sets up bigger moves, but it kind of, watching the Brady news come out yesterday, it kind of reminded me a couple of years ago when um, Theo Epstein was still running the Cubs, and the Cubs had won the World Series, but they've fallen off. Their offensive had completely fallen off the cliff. And Theo Epstein, in a postseason press conference, said the quote, Our offense is broken. It needs to be fixed. And their big offseason move was firing their hitting coach. You're kind of like, well, that doesn't solve all the problems. You're basically putting all the, all, the, uh, all the issues of the offense on your hitting coach. I feel like that's what they're trying to do right now with the Marcus Brady thing. Like, well, this will turn things around. Wait till, we, wait till we get Frank Reich calling plays. Well, he's been doing that this whole time. So I don't know why you're just assuming that Frank Reich – taking over as offensive coordinator instead of Marcus Brady is going to change anything. I hope there's changes coming. There need to be changes. You've been running in place for too many years now, doing the same thing, 
And I feel like you mentioned if Ballard's doing self-preservation of yeah, sorts, yeah, yeah. that's a dangerous game to be playing right? if you're a GM because then you're messing with not just the football team, but you're like, well, I can't make this move because this might fall back on me. If you're thinking that way, then, I mean, writing the writing should be on the wall at that point. You know, one thing Ballard personnel-wise, and we can get into a little bit uh, more of this later, Ballard always, you know, I've been a big advocate for spending more in free agency. And Ballard will push back and be like, hey, roster building is 12 months out of the year. You know, you can find guys at various points of the season. They can help you out, um, you know, regular season, late summer, et cetera, et cetera. I'm trying to think of the outside the building moves the Colts have made since training camp. And the names I'm coming back to are they traded for Grant Stewart on special teams. I, I guess you would qualify Chase McLaughlin as an – Outside the building move. One uh, that they had to make, though. And yeah, Exactly. And then the name Luke Tenuta. Have you heard of Luke? No. Yeah, I've got a I've got a nephew, new nephew, baby Luke. He was a hot dog for Halloween. Uh, Luke, What's with all the food costumes in your family? Luke, uh, mom and dad were ketchup and mustard. Very, very, um, very good costume by them. So those are your three moves, Mark. Since what? The end of training camp? Outside the building. Let's improve the roster, okay? Grant Stewart on special teams, Chase McLaughlin at kicker because your first kicking competition wasn't a true kicking competition, and Luke Tenuta, who I don't think is on the Colts roster. I believe that's it. For a GM that... For outside the building moves. For a GM that told us on our show that he's obsessed with depth. There's not a lot of depth on this roster, if you ask me. Uh, Riley asks about Scott Milanovic, the quarterback's coach, um, as OC... I believe no announcement has been made on the OC. I guess Frank Reich is interim. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I, again, he he has say, but I I just think he's a position coach, and I know he does have OC experience. But Frank Reich will continue to call plays, and I just think this move means that Frank will have even more input offensively. And I don't want to act like he didn't have a ton of input already. Like I think. It's very, very rare for Frank Reich to be in meetings that are not offensive quarterback related inside of that building. Yeah, I don't think he's heavily, heavily involved. I don't think the departure of Marcus Brady changes the Colts' offensive game plan one iota. I don't think it changes anything. I think the same plays are going to be getting called. You're not going to see anything. You're like, oh, where's that been? Oh, was Marcus Brady wasn't wasn't calling these plays. Now that Frank Reich has taken complete control over the play calling, these plays look a lot different. No, I think it's going to be the exact same stuff we've been seeing the first eight games of the season. It's just that now you've just you put Marcus Brady out of a job. He's collecting, you know, the rest of his paycheck, but he's not going to be doing it from West 30, 56. He's been doing it from home. So Marcus Brady, a great pickup basketball player. Is he? From what I hear. Well, I mean, he could be doing that for a little bit. But, yeah, I don't see much of this, this change meaning much of anything as far as the offense is going to look vastly different. I think it's going to look the exact same. So it was a new move. Like I said, it's a scapegoat move. You're not changing anything. You're just saying this guy was to blame for our offensive struggles. I don't buy that for one second. And I think this is the first of many changes that the uh, coaching staff is going to have with the Colts this season. And they need it because, again, they've been running in place for too many years now. We've been seeing the same frustrations pop up year in and year out. The quarterback carousel, all this stuff. They need some stability. And, again, it seems like, Maybe last year should have been the move to move off of Ballard and Frank. Instead, you're rolling with them for one more season. And the wheels, if they haven't completely fallen off yet, they're sure they're sure shaking 
pretty violently right now. You need to pull over to the shoulder and get some assistance. Again, we'll run down the free agent list now for the Colts in 2023. Look at where they are draft pick-wise after yesterday's move. He is Mark Dyked, and Jake Quarry will be back tomorrow. I'm Kevin Bowen, Sam Fritz with us. Kevin and Quarry on a nice start to this Wednesday morning. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Wednesday morning means it's time for a morning check down. We'll start with baseball and the World Series. Game three of the World Series rained out a day earlier. They played last night, and I think the Astros were hoping they got rained out again yesterday. But Phillies roll past the Astros 7 nothing. It all got started with Bryce Harper and a swing of the bat. McCullers to Harper. It's drilled. Right center field. Lightning strikes. 2 nothing Phillies. Yeah. Phillies. How roll. great's that crack of the bat? Beautiful. Kyle Schwarber also went deep. I mean, the the Phillies just all over the Astros take a two one series lead. There, it's looking you good. Know, uh, Sam is excited. He was all sweaty this morning. He's in a hot lather because yeah. the Phillies rolled. He's like, Phillies in six. First thing he said to me when I walked in the studio. Um, how about Smoltz being all over that? Did you catch that? As Harper was walking into the batter's box. No. Oh, Smoltz is like. He needs to be sitting on a breaking ball right here. I think is that that's Joe Davis with him, right? Yeah. Um, McCullers had thrown, I think, pretty much like one fastball to a lefty all year long, or maybe it was all postseason long. Um, probably all postseason long. And sure enough, sits on that breaking ball and just smokes it. And he's like, if he gets that opportunity, he's got to green light it. And boy, Harper there. It was all homers, right? They had one single through the first five innings. Is that right? It, through the first five, and then uh, in six, they had a pretty good bat. But, yeah, I mean, pretty much after six, their batting shut down. It was five homers, I think maybe one single and a double, and that was the game. Greenfield native Kyle Gibson came in out of the bullpen. 7 nothing for the Phillies tonight will be game four at 8.03. Maction action last night. We had Ball State top Kent State 27-20. to 20. 
the string of 27 days of football is in full swing. We also got the college football playoff first four. Did you see that last yes, night? Yes, I did. We got a run down there. Uh, Tennessee, right? Tennessee at the top at number one. Ohio State two. Georgia three. Clemson four. Michigan five. Alabama six. And uh, the Big Ten representation outside of that, you kind of got to go a little bit lower, right? Yep. Illinois. Uh, Penn State at 15. 15 Illinois, Illinois at 16. Again, if Purdue wins this week, man, biggest game for that program in years with uh, traveling to Champaign next week. Uh, around the NFL yesterday, we had a lot of trade action for the Colts. Uh, I don't know if you call it a trade, maybe a donation. Uh, Naheem Hines off to Buffalo. Uh, a six-round pick with the conditions it could be a fifth-rounder. Again, we'll confirm that with Stephen Holder. Zach Moss is also coming here to Indy. A little background on Moss. Third-round pick in 2020. He's under contract for one more season after the 2023 campaign. Is the final year of his rookie deal. Um, no special teams experience. Been inactive. Didn't play the last two weeks. He's had a little bit of a role. Nothing too crazy. Uh, I'd say all in all for a third-round pick, he's probably been a bit disappointing for Buffalo. Yeah, I would say I would say that's being kind. But yeah, he hasn't supplanted Devin Singletary. I'm not sure exactly how he's going to fit into the offense for the Colts, but Colts yeah. get some cap relief, so that'll be put to good use, right? Woo! Cap relief. 2023. That's probably the biggest positive honestly in this move. Um I reiterated it or I tried to focus on it yesterday. Um Mark, I do think if there is a position that we'll start to see more of coming out of college football, it will be Naheem Hines-like players. Um, Having said that, I want to acknowledge that Hines is very durable, proven, and had a lot of different roles with the Colts. So I don't act like just because there's more of them in college football, it'll be you know easier to hit on them. But I do think that is a position, the versatile running back out of the backfield with how the college game has evolved. um, I do think there will be... More of that. Uh, Injury-wise for the Colts as they get on the practice field today, Quiddy Pay, we're see out with the ankle injury because the Taekwon Lewis season-ending ender, a season-ending injury. Uh, important to get Quiddy back. And then Jonathan Taylor tweaking that ankle. Where is he at? Yeah, we'll see. I, I would like. I know the Colts are not. They don't have a home game for a couple weeks now. I would like at some point get a cap relief chant going. Cap <laughs> relief. Cap relief. Let's get that going. Let's get Lucas Oil Stadium bumping. Blow the roof off yeah. with that one. Yeah, and then play the you know this one for Mr. Gilmore or get some yeah. some We Will Rock You going. That right place into, will be well, hopping. Usually it's right into Jack and Diane, so you'll be you'll be set with that. All right, Stephen Holder going to join us at the top of the hour. Curious your guys' thoughts on the Naheem Hines and or Marcus Brady decisions from yesterday. Uh, at KBowen 1070 on Twitter, at MarkD1075 if you want to join the conversation. Via the phone, 317-239-1070. You are listening to Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. You know, talking about me, and, uh, I said, well, you know, if I was a fantasy owner, if I was going to be in a fantasy league, I think I'd pick Naheem this year. I think I'd consider drafting Naheem. I think it's worth consider drafting him. No, maybe for the Bills? Yeah, I think that's what he's forecasting. He was like, well, not now, but like, Get him ready for like week nine when he's in Buffalo with Josh Allen. Frank Reich back in late May on Naheem Hines right there. Um, I think back to the Chris Ballard season-ending presser in January, basically saying how underutilized Hines was and that grouping him in with Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman as important weapons for this team moving forward. And I think a big reason why we didn't see the veteran move at wideout or tight end 
in the offseason. Someone asked me yesterday, Mark, boy, Ballard got fleeced in this trade. And I'm like, you know what? It's kind of hard to say he got fleeced when you don't use him. Yeah. There's not much tape of 2022 Naheem Hines being used. Like Naheem Hines turned into a bad contract because the lack of usage with him. I, I thought if you could have increased his role, um, then there was a reason why you gave him the extension that you gave him a couple of years earlier. And I do think he could be an important piece for you. Is a self-inflicted fleecing. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's a really, really good way to put it. And you know, when we had Joel Erickson on yesterday and he mentioned the Colts are holding out for significant compensation, I believe was a phrase that Joel used. And, you know, when you said it out loud, Mark, you're like, what? You know, a fourth, a fifth? Yeah. I mean, just the way the market had gone, it's like there's no way they're getting a fourth for him. There's, there's just no way. Well, market, and again, I think teams just look at the Colts and say, like, almost prove it. You know, prove mm-hmm. that you're going to keep him. And, and, you know, we'll ask Stephen here, Stephen Holder, in about 15 minutes, um, you know, was this a trade request? I, I, I do think from the Heinz camp, based off how everything developed from Monday – into the trade deadline, I think there there was a desire for this. And I got to really hear, we kept hearing there's multiple teams involved. There are multiple teams involved, and this was the best offer you got. Boy, what does that say? Yeah, that's good I mean, point. if you took the best offer available and it was Zach Moss and a conditional sixth. Yeah, and again, oof, conditional pick yikes. from a Super Bowl-type team, not a conditional pick from a team that'll be drafting high and around this season. Uh, let's get to Lewis. Lewis wanted to talk about the Naheem Hines trade. Good morning, Lewis. Yeah, I just I just thought the trade, I mean, from a standpoint that we got, we weren't using the guy, but I just think it was so many moves that Bauer should have made. Like I said, one, we should have got rid of Stephon Gilmore. That dude, I mean, he's older. He's playing at a Pro right. Bowl level. Someone been happy to take him for at least for a second or a third-round pick. I would have got rid of um, um, Ryan Kelly, who couldn't put him with Penner. That way you save money and you get to get some draft pick. All the other teams you see that are hurting for quarterbacks right now, the stink – they start offloading players so they can build draft capital, except the Colts. So that lets me know right now we're probably going to have at least one more year with Ellinger or maybe get another mediocre quarterback, maybe probably like a David Carr that's going to come in here and we're going to try to revive their career again before we ever think about going to the draft. Because yesterday it showed that Chris Ballard took draft off the table. Lewis, thank you. Uh, David Carr, probably in the ice bath somewhere, right? Yeah. Hit a few many times in his Texans I mean, he's available. Days. If you, yeah, if you are interested, yeah, he's, he's surely Carr. available. And he's used to offensive lines being not very good. So Derek Carr would be the Raiders um, QB there. Uh, I agree with a lot of what Lewis said. Um, you know, moving a piece who isn't a piece that you'd like for the future. That was kind of my thought process going into the day. Now, again, teams are going to pop in that Ryan Kelly film, and they're going to be like, what? For that money? Yeah. I, I think there were some whispers. The Colts called teams about Ryan Kelly. I think the return on it was minimal, um, but those were the sorts of moves that I would have been a little bit more intrigued by than, again, a piece in Hines that I think no matter what you do at quarterback here, I think he can help you for the next you know two to three years, and if you use him more, the contract is not as bad as it looks on paper. I mean, looking at what they got for Hines, I can't even imagine what they would have gotten for Kelly if people were... Hey, do you want this guy? Sure, we'll give you a seventh. Like, yeah, I I was under the impression like future late day three pick. Yeah, I mean that's and where again you were at. he's got a big contract. I mean his contract's uglier 
than Hines. He's got injury history um, and a little bit more age. Yeah. So I think you got to factor in all that. Yeah. I mean, just, he's like, get, get rid of him. Get rid, You're literally getting rid of him. Some would say you got rid of Naheem Hines. You didn't trade him. You got rid of him, basically, because the return is not very good. It's nothing that you're going to be like, ooh, can't wait to see what they turn that pick into in 2023. I mean, it'll be a late sixth, maybe a fifth. Again, we still have to hear the conditions of you know, what that what package that, is. that it, it's not going to increase and, too yeah. too much in what you're going to be able to do if you're trying to move up. Uh, David wanted to chat about Marcus Brady's firing yesterday. Hey What's up, David? Good morning. Good morning, guys. Hey, um, that don't make no sense why we fired Marcus Marcus uh, Bradley. Why don't we fire the offensive line coach if we're going to fire somebody to make a difference? You know, we might as well promote uh, Matt Ryan offensive. Uh, coordinator now you know what oh just don't make i like no that sense. i like that idea yeah it i mean it don't make no sense ryan's still here you're obviously paying ryan a good amount of money i was hoping that ryan or Foles would get traded yesterday um again for the rest of the year mark you're going to have a what's Foles? was it two for seven yeah two years seven uh-huh. million dollars or matt ryan which is what a 18 million dollar hit next year or maybe it's like a $30 million hit and an $18 million um, cap savings if you're able to move him. Uh, one of those two guys will be making that amount of money and will not be dressing. Mm-hmm. Dressing, not playing. I mean, both will not be playing yeah. if Ellinger's healthy, uh, but not even playing. Yeah, Brady, I just I, – did the offense have issues? Was he – he's a member of that staff, but Frank Reich is the overseer of that unit. This is Frank Reich's offense. Marcus Brady doesn't come from – the Chargers or the Eagles. He's not in this system background. It's a new offense to him when he took the job here. He had to be taught this offense. Um, and as far as Chris Strasser, yeah, it's it's pretty impressive that he continues to, of all the scapegoats, he's continued to survive. Yeah. and I mean, and like you said, Frank Reich's offense is the same, whether it's under Marcus Brady's offensive coordinator title or Frank Reich's nothing changing. So unless Frank Reich is giving up play calling duties and handing over the play sheet to someone else, which he's not going to do, I mean, it's going to be the same play calling as before. And if Frank Reich is giving up play calling duties, then what's the point of keeping Frank Reich? Because what, I mean, you can be an overseer, I guess, of the entire team, but I mean, he's going to have a lot on his plate on game days if he didn't already. So it'll be curious to see what they do there. Let's go to Bo. Bo wants to talk about the Naheem Hines trade. Good morning, Bo. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Mark, you've done a nice job filling in for Jake. Thank you. Uh, I just want to let you know that. But I know that he's going to be back on the show, so I'm going to go ahead and warm his seat up a little bit. I'm going to give you, KV, uh, uh, an analogy I think Jake would use today. Okay. All right. <laughs> Are my ears going to bleed? Uh, they will. They typically do when I listen <laughs> to them also. So, anyways, so remember that when uh, you're watching TV and you're watching the Charlie Brown Halloween special and – Charlie and Lucy and Linus, they go from door to door to door, you know, get the little trick-or-treat bags out there. And do you remember Charlie Brown's expression every single time he looked down at his bag and he got a rock <laughs> for Halloween? I felt that way yesterday when we got a six-round pick for Naeem Hines, an unutilized Naeem Hines. It was nice to actually see a quarterback change and see a quarterback that actually threw to Naeem Hines and put him in the play call. And then see him getting traded for a sixth-round pick when he was a fourth-round pick, drafted, I think, 124th or 128th, I can't remember. Uh, and just uh, it just is heartbreaking yeah. as a season ticket owner. I mean, he's, he was a great player. He just – we never utilized a great player. And it's funny that you put Ellinger in and you see a different Paris Campbell and you see a different Naeem Hines for one game. It's been nice to see that recipe go another week. 
But I think there's a lot there. Appreciate the analogy. I think Jake would nod his head at that. That was an um, old reference, too, which Jake loves those ones where mm-hmm. he's like, ah, it's not that old. It's like 70 years old. Very good. Yeah, that's a good point. Peanuts action there from Bo. Um, and it, again, Mark, it comes back to that underutilized. You know, Aaron tagged me in this tweet yesterday um, from you know, one of the more popular Colts accounts out there. And this is from Jeremy. He goes, it sucks seeing Naeem Hines go. Um, in reality, the trade isn't the worst move. He is a top 12 paid running back in the NFL and has shown very little ability to run between the tackles. But I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, his yards per carry, much lower than Deion Jackson at the uh, 1.3 yards right now. And yes, their O-line is trash. The thing that that tweet does not point out, again, is the versatility. And in today's NFL, having skill group that is diversified, can do multiple things. I mean, look at the Heinz wheel route on Sunday. That's exactly why you have him on this football team is you get a linebacker isolated on him. You get that player in space. Hines is receiver back around at NC State, comes into play there. Boom, he makes that play. Um, you look at the little pitch pass or whatever you want to call it on the goal line that led to the touchdown. That's why you have Hines. It's not just for in between the tackles, yard per carry, yard per carry guy. Um, he That is not his strength. Never been. It's more of the other stuff. And to Bo's point, you saw what Campbell could do. You saw what Hines could do. When you involve a little bit of a running element at quarterback, I think that opens that section of the playbook. I do think, Mark, I'm curious if this move, um, by the way, Paris Campbell, now at the midway point of the season, it's the first time he's ever played over half the game. I mean, it'll be over half Uh the games coming on Sunday. Uh, First time in his career um, with him. Does Campbell get utilized more in the Hines type reps? I would think so. I was kind of talking about that yesterday. That I think because he's got the move, running back background at if Ohio you move State. Hines, Campbell should see an expanded role in the offense, which good. I hope so. And we like, saw that on Sunday. Yeah, we're seeing a little more now that he's healthy and he's been on the field a lot more. You're seeing the potential that that the Colts saw in Paris Campbell when they originally drafted him. And you're hoping that they can build off of that. So if there is a silver lining to moving Naheem Hines for the conditional sixth and Zach Moss, it's hopefully you see Paris Campbell get an expanded role and have more impact on this offense. I think we would all like to see that going I, forward. I guess just to kind of summarize on the Hines front, Stephen Holder going to join us in five minutes. He was viewed as expendable with that contract because you didn't utilize him enough. Yeah. that That is why there are you know people out there thinking, oh, it's a fine trade. Look how much you, you were paying him. You know, like Ryan Kelly, to me, his poor play, his poor contract is due to his poor play. Like, that's a bad combination. Individually, he's not living up to the contract. Naheem Hines, you didn't allow him to live up to the contract. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, With s- your lack you of self-sabotaged usage. it, basically. You gave him this money thinking he was going to be a big weapon in your offense, and then you completely didn't utilize him the way you should have. And you see the trade value, which mm-hmm. is kind of a slap in the face and a reminder of like, man... We really underutilized him that much. So it's a salary dump, but it's a salary dump that you created because you gave him the big contract and then you didn't do anything with it. So another self-inflicted self-sabotage by the uh, by the Colts, which we're used to seeing these days. Yes, we are. We'll get Stephen Holder's thoughts on all this coming up next here. Kevin and Quarry, 8 o'clock hour. It's Kevin and Quarry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Certainly a busy day on the Colts' front. Yesterday, they can Marcus Brady trade Naeem Hines to the Bills and all that with the Patriots 
on the schedule this coming Sunday. feels like I've paid zero amount of attention towards that matchup. Patriots favored by a handful. And I think this will be the case a lot this season. Uh, for the second straight week, the Colts have the lowest over-under in the NFL. 39 well, That's a, a nice streak to have going. Yeah. that's. Uh, I guess when you've scored over 20, what, once in your last 10 games, mm-hmm. you're probably going to fall into that boat. Uh, Steven Holder from ESPN.com joins us now. Steven, um, let's start with the Heinz trade. Are you under the impression that this was requested by Naheem and his camp to be moved? I, I believe – I wouldn't phrase it that way because that's, that's not what was told to me. But it was known. It was very much known that he was unhappy with his role. And it's not, it's not a problem with the organization in itself, right? Uh, I mean, Naheem loves the Colts. Uh, I, I know that uh, I talked to him a little bit yesterday. I mean, this was, this was hard. I mean, right, you know, he, he's, this is the only place he's ever known. But I do think that all parties had been pretty clear about, well, at least not all parties, his party, I should say, have been pretty clear about just the, the discontentment with the situation. This goes back to last year. Uh, there were conversations between Naheem and in the organization about, hey, you know, where do I stand? Am I going to get the ball more? Uh, he was led to believe, as we all were, that he was going to have a bigger role. It never materialized. So whether he actually said the words trade me, I, I hesitate to say that because I don't know. But it was very clear that he was unhappy, and, and I think this is ultimately what he considered a good outcome. Do we know the exact parameters on the conditions with this pick? Like, is it playing time? Is there, I don't know, amount of touches? I never really saw that yesterday. No, I didn't get that. And that is actually one of my goals today is to to learn those details. Uh, Because I think there's there's actually a legit difference between a fifth and a sixth. And I think think the fifth round is where you start, where it starts to kind of dry up, you know? So so I, I think there's, I think that kind of matters, actually, that the difference between the fifth and the sixth. Steven, did you like the return that they got for Hines? Uh, I don't love it, but I also understood going into this. And, in fact, I, I tweeted this on Monday night when, we, when it became clear that this was real, that the talks were real. My presumption was that they wouldn't get a lot, it, and not because he's not a good player. It's more about the position. And he's also kind of a – Naheem's kind of a luxury player, and I think that's the problem with him. And I use the word problem loosely because it's not a bad thing. It's just that that's how he gets lost. You know, he's not an every-down running back, right? I think he w- he wants to believe that, and, and the Colts have told us over the years that he's capable of doing that, but he's never done it, right? So people don't view him that way. And then the other variable is just, you know, running backs are devalued in general. You know, I think the one exception is Christian McCaffrey, who brought back a really good value uh, for Carolina. But that's a he, – he's one of one, right? I mean, he's the only guy like that. He is like uh, a version of Naheem on steroids, not literally, obviously. But um, – so, no, I'm not, I'm not surprised that that was the return for Hines. I, I never thought it was going to be – um, you know, some amazing uh, compensation just because that just doesn't happen with the running backs. And then he specifically is not an every down back, even though I love Naeem. Stephen Holder of ESPN joining Kevin and Query on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Stephen, multiple teams were reportedly interested in Hines. Do you believe the Bills gave them the best offer? Um, 
I, I don't think there were great offers. Let's put it that way. The, the sense that I got was that they were willing to move him, but uh, this is as of Monday. Uh, they were willing to move him. That was clear. But the feedback that I got was that the offers were not – they just weren't really moving the needle at that point. And what I was told was, like, we're not going to give him away, you know, quote, unquote, give him away. So I, I don't know if that was the best offer. But but I will say, this is a little bit speculative, but I, but I do get the sense they were trying to accommodate him here, Okay. I mean, trading him to – I'm just making this up, right? Like, trading him to, like, the Houston Texans would not be accommodating him, right? Uh, if a guy wants to be moved, it, he doesn't want to go just because he, he hates it here. He, he wants to go to a better situation. And so a better situation can, can obviously be a team with a worse record if his role is bigger. But it, I think in a perfect world for Naheem Hines, a better situation in this particular sense meant – uh, somewhere where he would be used more extensively and somewhere where the offense uh, was thriving. And so that is definitely somewhere that, that Buffalo qualifies in that regard. Again, Stephen Holder is with us from ESPN.com. Uh, before we move on to the Marcus Brady firing, um, anything the Colts did or I guess maybe even didn't do yesterday, Stephen, give you any indication on how Chris Ballard feels about his job security? So I've thought about this. I, I don't think trading Naheem Hines in and of itself speaks to, you know, how concerned Ballard or Reich or anybody is about their future. I, I do think this was a situation where the, 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 the $6 million they're paying him, I don't think that's the end of the world, but the $6 million is not something you can ignore if you're not using the guy extensively enough. And, and then two years left on that deal. Exactly. You got two years left. So they, they owe him over $13 million over the next two years. Again, in the grand scheme, not a lot of money, but we got to take into account, you know, they've now gotten themselves on the hook for $18 million of Matt Ryan. I mean, this thing is a mess, you know, and, and I, I've always felt they were in strong position financially and they are, but they may have a lot more work to do than we realize on this roster. And that's what I think they have to be concerned about. So, I'm not saying this is driven by money, and maybe I'm not even answering your question. I'm getting off the topic. But, but, but I think that the Heinz move in itself, I can explain that in other ways as opposed to saying it was driven by uh, people are nervous or, or there's, you know, this is a move uh, you know, to tank or anything, any of those other potential other explanations, right? So I don't know if that answers the question, but I, I thought that you could view these things independently of, of other circumstances. Now, the Marcus Brady thing is different, but but in terms of Hines, no. Sounds like the Colts have needs a quarterback, offensive line, pass rush, wide receiver. Where have we seen that before? That's a, that's a first. It's never been the case before. Uh, Steven, I'm going to move over to the Marcus Brady firing. Uh, it's hard to view this as anything other than a scapegoat move in my eyes. What say you? Well, uh, I think that is certainly the way people will look at it, and, and I understand that for sure. Um, I don't know enough about what happened here. And I think that's, that's the hard part on this is that I don't think we're going to get a lot of insight. Even today in the press conference with Frank Reich, I don't think we're going to get a lot of insight. In fact, I'm telling you, we're not going to get a lot of insight. Uh, and I did get some feedback and I still don't have enough to really understand the motivation for this move. 
Um, and, and here's the thing. When you say scapegoat, I think, you know, this is not like a lot of people are saying, oh, Jim Irsay fired the wrong guy. Well, I don't think Jim Irsay necessarily fired the offensive coordinator. That is generally the decision of, of the head coach. Now, whether there were other influences in there, well, I, I'm sure others were aware of what was happening and were involved in the decision. But the sense that I'm getting is that this was driven by Frank Wright, honestly. And and I think that's I think he'll take responsibility for this decision as opposed to maybe the quarterback move, which was definitely influenced by other parties. I don't know that this I don't get the indication on this particular move that that is as much the case. So so I don't know how to answer it. I guess is what I'm saying when you say it's a scapegoat move. I I don't know. I, I think it's it's just hard to say why he did this. Obviously, the timing of it is terrible, and it's going to look. Like, that's what it's going to look like. There's no question about it. Uh, and and even, if you, even if you come to the conclusion as an observer that, that, that Marcus Brady is being scapegoated, it doesn't mean that there aren't some issues here. There are clearly issues, right? There are a hell of a lot of issues. And so, I don't know. We'll see if this fixes them. That's the problem, though. Does this solve their problems or at least turn things in the right direction? That's harder to say. Steven Entitle. He's a coordinator. Gus Bradley's the defensive coordinator. Bubba Ventrone's right. the special teams coordinator. Gus Bradley and Bubba Ventrone are the overseers. They are the guys with their respective units. Marcus Brady just is not that because Frank Reich is the head coach and he's the play caller, and this is Frank Reich's offense. So it, it, it's a hard question. I think we had this question with Nick Sirianni as well. But as best you know, like what are Marcus Brady's duties Monday through Saturday and on game day? Right. It is hard. And especially because offense in particular, uh, things are very segmented. Like the like game planning on offense is a group effort. It's a group effort. It's, it's the offensive coordinator is the point guard, if you will. Right. And he pulls everybody in. All right. You handle this. You handle that. Uh, you handle third down. We'll handle blitz. You know, so it's, it's really um, a group effort. It always is, but the offensive coordinator takes the lead on it. He, uh, he, he delegates a lot of you know, specific responsibilities to assistants. Uh, so, I mean, he's kind of the, he's the, he's the team leader, if you will, on offense. When I say team, I mean, I'm talking about in a corporate sense, right? If for those of you who work in corporate America, right, you've got your team, this team, that team. Well, Marcus Bray is the team leader on offense, and I think, if you look at Frank Reich, he's more of like he'd be the VP, if you will. I don't know. I, I'm probably doing a bad job of explaining this. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, the game planning and the, and the, play, the play calling are inextricably linked. So Frank Reich is heavily involved. There's no question. You can't call the plays without also being heavily involved in the game planning. So hard to say, right? I think now, does Nick Sirianni have a bigger role? Did he take on – uh, did, did he have more trust from Frank Wright yeah. than Marcus Brady? I, I don't know. They had been together a longer time, right? They had more history. So there's a variables that we, you know, they're just hard to say. It's just hard to explain, hard to know. I, I want to go to that Sirianni point for just a second here before we move on from Brady. Um, I was making this point earlier, Stephen. I felt like when they promoted Brady um, and what I knew about him, I thought to myself, man, that's a really different personality than Nick Sirianni. 
You yeah. know, when, when Frank Reich was hired as head coach, he made it abundantly clear. He had been thinking about Nick Sirianni as his offensive coordinator for years. He loved, obviously, his offensive mind from their days in San Diego, but I think he loved the different personality, the fire, a um, little bit more emotional. You know, it was a, it was a contrast to Frank, yeah. and, and, and Matt yeah. m- mentioned this earlier. He reached out and goes, I'm a GM of a store. I don't want anyone like me on my leadership team. I want good people, but I want people to challenge my ideas. Usually leads to better experience for the employees and guests. I think in a way, that's what made the Sirianni-Reich relationship so successful and resonated in that locker room. Am I reading too much into that of like, you know, Reich and Brady were, were, were too similar in their persona and maybe that has played into some of these offensive struggles, some of the early in game offensive struggles? Well, the second part of that is a, is a little tougher to, to answer. I'll start with the first part, though. You are a thousand percent correct, I think, with Sirianni and Frank Wright. That was a very, very good yin and yang kind of situation. There's no question, right? I mean, look, Frank Reich is not going to come in the offensive meeting room and drop a bunch of F-bombs, okay? Nick Sirianni would, okay? And I remember when he got the job in Philly and he had that opening press conference where he was just sort of, you know, out of place and, and nervous. And I got a lot of feedback from Philly saying, man, what is up with this guy? He's, he, this guy's not a personality. And I said to them, no, no, no. Hey, listen to the players in Indy. They said, this guy has a presence. You just didn't see it. And that has proven to be true. Marcus Brady, we, we, don't, we don't know that. We've never seen that from Marcus Brady. And I don't know that that makes you a good or bad coach. I don't think it has anything to do with whether you're a good or bad coach. It does, though. Uh, it, it does go to what you are talking about, though, in terms of the, the leadership styles of the respective coaches we're talking about, Frank Reich and Marcus Brady. They definitely don't play off of each other the way Sirianni and Frank Reich did. Whether that has anything to do with this, that's a harder question. But that is correct, and I, I, do, think there's, I do think that is notable, put it that way. Well, that's been going on. There is actually a game on Sunday, believe it or not. Usually, uh, By the way, wait, this, this is like the least anybody has cared about a Colts and Patriots game. All right, I was going to say, it's usually a marquee matchup on the schedule, prime time, nationally televised. Could not give a whip about this game usually uh, this year. Uh, how do you think Bill Belichick will game plan against Sam Ellinger? I think he'll throw the kitchen sink at him because this is what I've actually been saying to people this week. Uh, I, I think Sam Ellinger, he passed his first test. And and I think, you know, against a, a Jack Del Rio defense, they, they can get aggressive. And, and he, I'm sure he saw plenty of things last week. But Bill Belichick, look, that team's not great this year, okay? We've seen enough of them to know that. Uh, but the one thing they, they do is they are still a game plan team. And by that, what we mean is they're a team that from week to week never is really static. So you just don't know what you're going to get. And I think for a young quarterback, I mean, there's, I don't have the stat in front of me, but we've seen the stats over the years, uh, the win-loss record of young quarterbacks against Bill Belichick. It ain't great, okay? And part of that is because they've had excellent players over the years. Maybe they don't have as much talent this year. But a lot of it is also due to how he attacks young quarterbacks. He will come up with a plan, and he will test this kid. And he's going to want to know, can he handle it? And it'll be up to Sam. I, I think this is a good test for Sam Ellinger. It's, a, it's actually a good opportunity for the Colts to learn about him because, Agreed. again, 
Bill Belichick is not going to go easy on Sam Ellinger. And I, I like it. I, I want to see what he can do. Yeah, I think it's well said. Passes first test is a much different test and, and a good evaluation for the Colts with Ellinger. Steven, I want to end with this. Um, the trade of Naheem Hines, I thought on Sunday for the first time in his career, and obviously health has played into this, I thought we saw Ohio State Paris Campbell. I thought we saw a guy take a couple of touches behind the line of scrimmage and say, watch what I can do with the ball in my hands. And unfortunately, we just haven't seen that. Even when he had those couple nice games earlier in the month of October, it was more like possession type. It was more like Wes Welker type of games. Whereas I thought yesterday or on Sunday, it was I can create big plays on my own without Hines. I think it's critical that they use Campbell in more of those gadgety roles because they are losing a guy that can do some of that with Naheem. So, exactly. And then here's the, here's the point I want to make. The reason, or one reason, that Naheem Hines was playing 30% of the snaps, which is his career low by, by a little bit, is because of Paris Campbell. It's because Paris Campbell's healthy. Paris Campbell has been a very good slot receiver for them. That was kind of a role they envisioned Naheem Hines playing some to some extent and he just hasn't needed to do it because Paris Campbell's done and Paris has played I think more snaps than just about anybody in that wide receiver group maybe Michael Pittman maybe just a little more but but they're pretty much neck and neck and so I think that really it's that is linked to this Naheem Hines trade if you think about it now I hope he stays healthy obviously you know the history but while he is he is performing a lot of the task that Naheem Hines would. And and the other thing with Naheem Hines is when you have him out there, obviously you're taking Jonathan Taylor off the field. Granted, this hasn't been a good season for Jonathan Taylor, but defenses will still have to account for him, right? So so with Paris Campbell, they don't have to make that choice. So I, I get some of that, right? I understand it, and I know the frustration about Naheem Hines not being used, but I also can – I think you make a great point. You can see – the results from Paris Campbell. Granted, I get that they have one of the worst offenses in the league, but we are where we are, and he is doing his part at least. So that I can say. The other thing, if you go back to the draft when Paris Campbell was selected in 2019, yeah. do you remember the video of Frank Reich in the draft room? Oh, yeah, jumping I, for joy. He looked like Nick Sirianni in there. He did. I have never seen more excitement from Frank Reich about a, a player selection than I did Paris Campbell. We just couldn't see it till now. I think we're starting to see it. I don't know if it's too little too late, but we're starting to see it. Steven, last one for me. Obviously, Zach Moss coming over in the Naheem Hines trade. What can you tell us about Zach Moss, and how do you think he'll be utilized going forward with this Colts offense? Yeah, a little more, I guess, traditional of a running back. So uh, we'll see. I mean, look, the, the, the Bills just – they don't emphasize the run game a ton, so – that's part of it. And I know in the last few years, they just haven't been a very good run blocking team. So I don't know. His numbers probably reflect some of that. I think he can be a rotational back for the Colts. Uh, they, they, they don't lose any running back depth here. They lose a dimension certainly with Naheem Hines gone, but, but they certainly now have, they have great depth at running back for what it's worth. Now uh, we'll see. I understand that he is a really good pass protector if I'm not mistaken. And and that's good because actually Jonathan Taylor has been terrible at task protection this year. It's the one thing he can't do very well, apparently. Uh, so that look, it, he, he'll be, he'll play a role. Will he will he change the offense in any definitive way? 
for the Colts? Uh, probably not. But, you know, certainly he gives them some depth. Steven, apologies. We didn't have any questions about the wire. Um, the University of Miami's recruiting class. <laughs> Trying to think where else we usually go with you. Oh, trivia. trivia. You know, all that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, this was a very different kind of appearance on this show. Well, I don't know. No worries. I decide whether I come back. I Jake know. is en route to the state, yeah. so I'm sure you're looking forward to next Wednesday with that. Uh, busy Tuesday for Steven Holder. We appreciate the time this morning. Thank you. All right, guys. Talk soon. Stephen Holder right there from the ES, from ESPN.com. A couple notes on Zach Moss, Mark. Um, again, under contract through next year, still on that rookie deal, so cheaper and a shorter contract than Hines. Uh, 4.1 yards per carry, uh, 44 catches in 31 career games. No special teams. Like, hasn't played a snap on special teams. So, uh, I would agree with Stephen a little bit more. Like, better, younger Philip Lindsay. I mean, maybe, maybe a younger Philip Lindsay. I, I, I don't. More of a first or second down guy. So I think Stephen laid it out pretty well. Um, he is different skill set than Hines. Um, Scotty comments and goes, "Slow starts were there even when Sirianni was here. Um, slow starts to seasons, yes. Slow starts to games, no." Uh, yeah, disagree. Colts outscored opponents by twenty one last season, or excuse me, two seasons ago when Sirianni was here. 25 in the first quarter of the year before that they outscored opponents in the first quarter even in the first year of the Reich Sirianni man uh uh relationship I guess here in Indy so I I feel like that's a little bit of a misconception like again slow starts to seasons record wise but the Colts have typically been a good first quarter team under Frank Reich this year has been the outlier in that and the Sirianni Reich pairing got this team off the good first quarter starts um, throughout really their first three or four years together. Yeah, I mean, you're constantly seeing the season where the Colts are down multiple scores to start games and they're having to claw their way out of these double-digit deficits because you're just like, come on, get going. And they're just three and out, three and out, fumble, turnover, like something like that. So Have they not to kind of, scored a point on wild. an opening drive this season and have started the game with the ball so often Yep, this year. All right, we're going to talk a little Purdue basketball, sneak in a Purdue football question coming up. Here in a few minutes, uh, but we will start our morning check down with the the shot heard round Philly. McCullers to Harper. It's good. Right center field. Lightning strikes. Two nothing Phils. The morning check down brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. That was a little morning check down remix beginning with Bryce Harper's shot. The first pitch. How about that? The last two pitches he's seen in that ballpark. Yeah. Homer to end the NLCS and then a homer there in game three. The first of many last night for the Phillies. Yep, Phillies roll 7-0. Shut out the Astros. They go up 2-1 in the series. Game four tonight, since there was the rainout on Monday, they don't get the day off. Uh, first pitch tonight at 8 3 They'll try to go up 3-1 on the Houston Astros. Nola tonight? Did I see that? Yeah, back, Nola back on the mound. Okay. <sighs> Nola tonight. Is it Christian Javier for the Astros? So, pitching advantage on paper. Definitely to the Phillies. Sounds like Verlander waiting in game five. Um, again, that'll be Thursday night. Philly will have that in their own city, and then it'll be the Eagles at the Texans on Thursday night football. 
We had some action last night. Ball State topped Kent State 27 to 20 on the chirp, pro. Chirp. On they the were pro, down 13 nothing. Yeah, yeah. On the pro side of things, we had the NFL trade deadline. Lots of deals. That was the best NFL trade de- deadline bar none. I mean, I, I challenge you to try to think of one. No. They actually had this much action. Favorite non-Bears move? Because I have a feeling you would go with Chase Claypool to your Bears. Uh, that was a good one. I liked the Bradley Chubb move by the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins the Dolphins are doing it, man. They they get inventive with these trades. They've, they've pulled off Teron Armstead. They've got uh, Tariq Hill. They've just got they they don't shy away from being bold with their moves. Helps I like that a lot. When you have the rookie contract quarterback. Yep, that helps, and you can see that they're building around him, which is something I would like to see other teams with young quarterbacks do going forward. Uh, you know, no hints there of who I'm talking about, but Calvin love what Ridley, they did right there. Calvin Ridley to the Jaguars. To the Jags, that's a big one. That that's did, another one where it's like that seems. I mean, he obviously suspended for the year. We'll see if he gets reinstated after he meets with Roger Goodell at the end of the season. But that's another one where it's like. Building around Trevor Lawrence, that wide receiver group with Calvin Ridley on the Jaguars. You got Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk. Woo! I like Zay Jones too. Yeah. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson to the Vikings, the other one that stood out to me. The Lions tight end. Um, he goes there. Nice haul. Detroit got back for him. But you look at that skill group: Dalvin Cook, Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Boy, Kirk Cousins. If he can manage that operation, I know. Insert your jokes here, but that Vikings team. Um, Looks to be the NFC North favorite. I, I, I think you would have to say that. I mean, I know yeah. Green Bay's not put it together. I think we feel like it'll happen, but uh, we're halfway through the season. I've not seen that yet. Packers <laughs> didn't do anything at the trade deadline either. Which they were rumored for Claypool. Yeah, I see that? that was that was the the reason why the Col- the Bears reportedly had to go up with their second their personal second round pick and not the one they got from the Roquan Smith trade from the Ravens. Is that the Packers were were vying for uh, Chase Claypool, so they upped the second round pick. It's gonna probably be a top thir- in the 30s, so a little little bit steep price to pay. But if you're getting a nice wide receiver to help Justin Fields, I'm all for it. I like Claypool a lot. All right, let's talk some Purdue basketball next. Brian Newbert, um, who I believe has made a recent transition uh, professionally, we'll chat about that next and uh, get a little bit of a preview on Matt Painter's bunch this season. Life is full of things to manage: your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta. Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Kevin and Quarry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, last week we took a little preview of Indiana basketball. Hoping to have Thad Mata on um, this week as we look ahead to Butler. And for Purdue, replacing the top five pick in Jay Nivey. Sasha Stefanovich gone. Dominating front court per usual up there in West Lafayette. And, you know, a young freshman point guard that could be getting the ball pretty early. We'll chat about that right now. Brian Newbert. I believe just made the switch to on three sports. Brian, I, I, I guess we'll start there. I want to make sure that I have that correct, right? Uh, making the switch over to on three sports? Yeah, yeah. We moved our site, goldenblock.com, over to the on three network the other day. And uh, I'm still trying to figure out how to size photos, but we're uh, <laughs> we're kind of we're kind of plugging along here and uh, and uh, things have gone well so far. Well, I think we can um, echo those same sentiments as – we made a transition about a month or two ago, and yeah, making sure that the uh, photos are sized properly on the website has been something that I've struggled with here early on. Um, I believe you were at the scrimmage with Cincinnati. It sounded like Purdue played pretty well. Trey Kaufman ran, had a nice performance. Uh, just your early thoughts and what you saw with Purdue in that uh, scrimmage. Yeah, no, I wasn't there. They don't let media into those oh, things. No, they um, did. My fault. No, so I had to find out everything via word of mouth after the fact. Uh yeah, Trey Kaufman Wren led them in in scoring and I believe rebounding in nineteen twenty minutes, something like that. Pretty much everybody who played played half the game, uh, with the exception of Brian Waddell and Camden Heidi there as Purdue's kind of last two guys at the back end of the rotation. Um, Brian Waddell's coming back from from injury, and Camden Heidi's a freshman uh, who's you know probably on the. Uh, uh, under consideration of red shirt, so they just want to get him out there. I don't know how much um, they really needed to play him, um, but everybody pretty much played half the game and uh, things like that. Purdue's got a bunch of young guys who, you know, kind of ready or not, uh, are going to have to be good for this team for them to have a chance. And you mentioned Braden Smith before, Fletcher Lawyer in the backcourt as well. Trey Kaufman ran another one. I think him and, and Caleb first coming off the bench in that front court um, is sort of the reason as much as Zach Eady is the reason that Purdue quietly thinks it's got one of the better front courts in college basketball here this year. And, uh, uh, you know, Trey Kaufman ran his first impression uh, insofar as that was a first impression that given that nobody could actually see it, um, that was a pretty strong one. He's a really good low post scorer. I don't know if Purdue's really had a lot of guys in their front court like him where he, he's more of a forward, but he's sort of a Carl Landry-ish physical presence. He can really bully people, but he can also really face the basket against bigger people too. He's sort of that true. I don't want to compare him to Vince Edwards because Vince Edwards was a lot more finesse than he was physicality. 
but he's sort of that that guy where no matter who he's up against, there's probably going to be a matchup advantage in his favor. Brian, you mentioned it is a young roster for Purdue. So with that being said, what is the ceiling for Matt Painter's crew heading into the season? Um, well, the last two times they've overhauled like this, uh, 2019 was the year where they didn't beat a high major team in non-conference play. And then they went on to win the Big Ten uh, and damn near went to the Final Four. I don't know if this team has that same ceiling, but I never would have said that team would have had that same ceiling either. And then a couple of years ago, they played a bunch of freshmen uh, during a global health crisis and uh, won way more games than anybody thought they would. Um, so he's kind of got a way of figuring it out. Um, maybe it just worked out that way. I don't know. I don't want to necessarily give the program credit for continuing to sort of surprise when things change the way they're changing this year when I don't know if there's really direct causation there. It's possible that it just kind of worked out that way. It, it certainly helps when, you know, one of those freshmen you played a couple of years ago was Zach Eady, who was uh, incredible as a freshman uh, relative to any expectation anyone could have had. The back half of that season, you got a really special player in Jaden Ivey once things clicked, clicked for him. So that had a lot to do with it. Um, and that first year I mentioned before, 2019, was simply the gold standard for like role definition and a team kind of coming together on the fly. That's kind of a hard thing to expect, um, but it's certainly going to be it's certainly going to be Purdue's goal. Uh, this team has to be more Purdue like than last year's team was last year's team could get by on talent a lot and that ultimately was probably a big part of its downfall was that things came too easy for it offensively early in the season they didn't condition themselves to take care of the basketball to really defend people and that's a big part of the reason the season ended the way it did this team is not does not have those same inherent advantages they're going to have to be more uh, detail-oriented defensively. They're going to have to take care of the ball. They're going to have to maximize the value of every possession. It's really non-negotiable. And this team is wired much more so than last year's team is to do that naturally. I think they just kind of have it in them. Uh, but that being said, you have two freshman guards, too, that you're going to rely on heavily, and that that's a pretty uh, daunting position normally to be in. Uh, but I think Purdue really likes kind of the complexion of this team, the personality of this team, and Purdue kind of quietly thinks that it's going to be, you know, better than people think they're going to be. Uh, Brian, again, Brian Newbert is with us here, uh, moving over to on three sports, golden black, um, talk a little Purdue basketball, Braden Smith, Trey Kaufman, Wren. Those are the last two winners of Mr. Basketball, right? Caleb, Caleb, first Caleb first won it. Yeah, Purdue's got the last um, two winners and the last two runners-up. That's so, right. Um, that's sort of an interesting little side note, kind of tethering a couple of these guys together. One is Caleb First and Trey Kaufman Ryan are going to be playing a ton together. One is a Mr. Basketball. One was the Mr. Basketball runner-up. Uh, and then Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer are in the same position. Where Braden Smith won it, Fletcher Lawyer was – runner-up so that's kind of an interesting little 
side note there. Do I you guess. see them giving Braden Smith the ball right away and saying, here you go, you are the point guard, not only the future but of the present? And I guess how much will Fletcher Lawyer maybe handle some ball handling duties or, you know, Ethan Morton, you know, other guys on the roster, the transfer from Utah, the Jenkins kid, uh, anybody else that you think will factor in there? Yeah, they have no choice. Um, Braden Smith is really their only pure point guard. Uh, and he's been good. And ever since they signed him, they kind of ha- had had this sort of tone about them, like they stole something, got away with it, um, that they feel like he's kind of a perfect fit for them and that he's a much better player than anybody really recognized in him. So I don't want to say he's their guy because of default. Uh, I think he's I think he's been really good, but they also did spend a good portion of their off season, you know, sort of flailing in the portal, uh, trying to get a really high impact point guard too. It just so happened that they set their sights really high in this one very unique year of recruiting where people were spending NIL money on players, uh, and Purdue couldn't quite get over the hump on a Tyrese Hunter or a Nigel Pack, the face of NIL excess right now, right. you know, kind of things like that. Um, but they really like Braden Smith. They love Braden Smith. They're infatuated with Braden Smith too, at the risk of overstatement. Um, but he's also their only pure point guard. So he's getting the ball ready or not. He's going to be their guy. This has never been a team that has really asked that much of its point guard from an offensive perspective, from a defensive perspective, yes, but this isn't Kentucky or this isn't an NBA team where it's all ball screens and everything depends on the point guard. It's more a matter of, you know, being one of the five guys out there who has to handle the ball and make decisions and uh, just make good decisions, take care of the ball, get the ball where it needs to be, kind of things like that. Purdue's had probably prior to Braden Smith, during Matt Painter's decade and a half, whatever it's been, there's maybe one guy before who I would have categorized as that that true point guard, and that was Lewis Jackson years ago. Uh, Braden Smith's the purest point guard, you know, Matt Painter's probably ever had from a from a mentality perspective, from a skill set perspective, things like that. But he's the only guy Purdue's got uh, in that regard this year. Uh, after him, when he's on the when he's not on the floor, you're going to see kind of a veritable cast of thousands here in terms of a couple of guys who are sort of ball movers, game managers. Fletcher Lawyer will be part of that, even though he's kind of more of a shooter scorer. Uh, but he's also a good passer, a good decision maker, a smart player, things like that. But he's not a pure point guard. David Jenkins Jr. was the guy they ended up getting out of the portal. Uh, when they needed a point guard, they kind of got the opposite. He's more of a more of a shot maker, more of a scorer, a big physical kid. They're going to ask him to guard the point. I don't know how much traditional point guard stuff offensively they're going to ask him to do. Probably not much. Ethan Morton is, you know, six foot six and basically their small forward, a guy who was practicing at power forward. Not that the power forward position really exists all that much in, in college sports anymore. Um, but he's he's a high IQ guy who's who's going to move the ball. But he's 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 six foot six, so uh, it's not like he's your traditional point guard either from a defensive perspective. I think Purdue's always kind of 
kind of decentralize systematically the the responsibilities of that position. And I think this year, more than ever, it's just about guys just take care of the ball, get the ball to Zach Eady, and guard. And I think that's kind of what you're going to see, especially when Braden Smith's off the floor. Brian, last one for me, switching over to the football field. Purdue has Iowa this weekend. Chance for the Boilers to make a statement. Do you feel like they'll answer the call, or are they feeling the pressure? Well, uh, I think the bye week came at a good time for them uh, because they've got a lot of injuries mounting, things like that. Funny what happens after you play Wisconsin. (laughs) But uh, I think it it started long before the Wisconsin game. Uh, You know, Purdue didn't didn't play at Wisconsin the way it it wanted to play at Wisconsin. That that was sort of a buzzkill moment for their season when, you know, people are starting to talk about their, I guess, uh, contention in the Big Ten West, things like that. This is a good opportunity for them to kind of get back on track, get a little bit healthier. Purdue has always had some success against Iowa. Uh, Part of that has always had to do with having uh, that – one wide receiver that that Iowa just can't guard the way they they run their defense in terms of giving up stuff down the field toward the sideline. Uh, does Purdue have a David Bell on this team? Does Purdue have a player playing the way Anthony Mahangu played a few years ago in Iowa City that that won that game? Charlie Jones has been an All America level player for Purdue, but a couple things he's been banged up. He's not practicing a whole lot right now. And B, given that he transferred from Iowa, I'd imagine Iowa is spending its entire week uh, wanting to make sure number 15 doesn't um, doesn't get the ball a whole lot, doesn't make them look even worse than the season he's having at Purdue has made them look. Uh, so, you know, Purdue's going to have to be able to run the ball a little bit, I think, against Iowa. That's easier, always easier said than done. And they got to find some answers from a defensive perspective. They're giving up way too many big plays. The secondary... Uh, has had way too many busts in the back end. You can't give up cheap touchdowns to teams that can't score. And that's 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 what helped Wisconsin kind of get well against Purdue, and uh, that's what uh, Purdue cannot afford to have happen against Iowa because if you just make Iowa put together drives and make throws and things like that, they've shown this season, and I know they scored three touchdowns or whatever it was against Northwestern, which I'm making that sound like something that's out of the ordinary when three touchdowns is a reasonable expectation for any Big Ten team uh, every game. But um, they've just got to be more sound from a defensive perspective. Their secondary is in tatters from an injury perspective. Uh, so what, I, what I'm asking here, or what I'm suggesting they need to do might not sound like much, but at this stage of the game for Purdue, when they had a walk-on wide receiver playing corner in Madison for a while, uh, they're in a little bit of a tough spot here. So we're going to see what kind of shape they came out of the bye weekend and whether they can kind of keep this thing going against Iowa. But it's going to be easier said than done. Win this week and set up quite the game next Saturday in terms of where this program's been and the potential of going to the Big Ten title here in Indy. Brian, congrats on the move, and I appreciate the time this morning. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. That's Brian Newbert right there again. Golden Black transitioning over to on3.com. Basketball-wise, um, for the Boilers, Braden Smith, Trey Kaufman ran. Those are two guys that I'm really, really looking forward to seeing. Trey Kaufman um, redshirting last season. And then Braden Smith, that point guard, again, of the future and of the present 
right now for the Boilers. Has been some time. Brian laid it out there since Lewis Jackson that Purdue has had kind of that natural point guard. Um, I do think that has been one of the few missing pieces um, for Matt Painter teams here recently. All right, we'll get a little Pacers conversation in in the 9 o'clock hour. And uh, still want your guys' thoughts on the Naheem Hines trade and the Marcus Brady firing. Kevin and Query on looks like the Suns trying to peek through the start here on a Wednesday. A very active NFL trade deadline is coming past. That was NBA MLB like. Yeah, I liked it. It was a nice change of pace. Usually the trade deadline for the NFL comes and goes. You're like, well, that fullback got traded. Right, exactly. Yeah. Nice special teamer moving yeah. from one division it's to nice the to other. It's nice to see guys, teams that are in the hunt, actually going forward and saying, yeah, let's, let's make some moves, let's improve. So, looking at the Colts' free agents for 2023 and then their draft picks, because now the trade deadline passed. Obviously, you can't do anything until the new league year begins in March. Um, so, for now, you're kind of set on what you have on the offseason checklist. Obviously, there are some decisions atop that at quarterback, head coach, and GM. Um, but draft pick-wise, the Colts will have their first and their second. They don't have their third rounder because that was the Nick Cross trade, but in all likelihood, they'll get Washington's third rounder, Mm -hmm. either the second or the third with how Taylor Heineke's playing. I don't see Carson Wentz getting back in there when he's healthy. Um, You have your fourth. You have your fifth. Um, You'll get, again, either Buffalo six, which is like pick like 207 right now, or their fifth, which is late 160, so that's really late. Um, And then you have the seventh. So basically, you have a normal one to seven round order. I think you swap six with maybe Philly or Tampa or somebody, and then you're swapping thirds, I guess, with Washington, and then you'll add either that extra six from Buffalo or the fifth. Um, so really, it's just one additional pick. Not as much as selfishly I would prefer with what you need to do draft wise. The free agent list. Mark, let me uh, run this down, sure. and you chime in with anybody that you would stand on a table for in the must-resign okay. category. Paris Campbell, Matt Pryor, Dennis Kelly, Yannick Ngakwe, Ben Banigou, Tyquan Lewis, Bobby Okereke, EJ Speed, Brandon Faison, Rodney McLeod, and your kicker, Chase McLaughlin. Boy. There, are, I don't know if I'm standing on a table for any of those guys. I'm at least like, hey, what about this guy? Like, if you can get him on team-friendly deals, Paris Campbell, I think, has shown strides. Now we'll see what he does the last few games of the season there. But I think Campbell is a guy that you can bring back, hopefully, on a team-friendly deal. I don't think he's going to command too much. Uh, EJ Speed, I like what he's done, especially with the the state of uh, Shaq Leonard's health and everything like that. I think EJ Speed has been very solid. Um, boy. It's a pretty slim pickings, though. You know, no one on that list is a top 10, like, no. multi-year player. You know, here's a three-year, $40 million deal. Yeah, Campbell, these are all team-friendly that I'm looking at. I mean... Yeah, and Campbell definitely, I, I I think, has shown that he deserves, you know, probably nothing too crazy in the one- to two-year range. Um, boy, nothing from Ngakwe. I mean, do you give Taekwondo another prove-it year? Yeah. Okereke and Speed, I think one of them stays, one of them goes. But even the one that stays is going to sign, I think, a notable contract. And yeah. you already have given you know, Leonard that money and um, Zaya Franklin a pretty good deal. Chase McLaughlin, you know, I, I would hope you'd, you would bring him back. But mm-hmm. 
You don't want to go down. Have to go down another kicking competition route. That let's try to avoid that for this year. Let's, let's take a change of pace and not have to. Who's going to kick for the Colts in 2023? Let's have a change of pace there. Yeah, a lot of meh on that list. Like a lot of guys, that you can. I'll be happy with them if they're on the team. I'd be like, yeah, I could live without them if not. But nobody I'm standing on a table for saying we must bring this guy back, which again kind of shows you the depth that's on this Colts roster where it's like a bunch of guys. There's not a guy, a bunch of, there's not a bunch of players where like this guy is a cornerstone piece going forward. We have to lock him up. Other teams are going to covet him otherwise. They just don't have that. And so, that, that, that adds to more of the, the importance of the draft and hitting on these draft picks that they have is that you have to start finding some difference makers on there, not a bunch of guys. You need to find some dudes that are difference makers. Again, the this Colts free don't have too many difference class makers. pairs up with the 2019 draft class. That's the Rock Yassine, Campbell, Woof. Kari Willis, Bobby Okereke. So, yeah, it wasn't a strong draft class. Um, again, there are a few names that I think would make sense to bring back, but nothing from a that's an absolute must. Nope. Uh, serious investment. Which means more holes on the roster that you have to fill, and it's going to be really hard to, once again, try to fill as many holes as you can in we'll one offseason. Do that, and then think about quarterback and the future yep. there. Left tackle as well. All right, uh, we'll get into Pacers conversation next. Alex Golden joins us. It's Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Let's kick it with Alex Golden of uh, setting the pace. He's up next on the Payless Liquors Hotline. He joins Kevin and Query today. How are you doing, Alex? I am. Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm fighting a little cold here, but overall, I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Gutting it out. I love it, Alex. Such um, a such a gamer, <laughs> gamer, Alex Golden. Uh, kind of the rare, I guess. You can go to bed at a decent hour. It's the rare three day break during the season. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Here, the Pacers are off. <laughs> They are back at home tomorrow night. Start 8 of 10, or excuse me, Friday night. Start 8 of 10 at home. It'll be the Heat on Friday. Alex, I want to begin with the Miles Turner appearance with Adrian Wojnarowski um, that I think has all the Pacers' attention right now. And for those that missed it, let's play that clip, Sam, if you don't mind. Uh, again, this is Woj uh, earlier in the week with Turner. And uh, Alex, after this, we'll have you react to it. You've been hearing it for months. So I'll ask you, if you're the Lakers, would you do the two picks? Would you do the two picks? <laughs> oh, that's, that's such an intriguing question <laughs> at that. Um, I think personally, you know, when you look at this business of the league and, you know, knowing the landscape of the league, you know, you have to go off your future, right? And think, we, we all know picks are so valuable in this league. And someone like myself, I'm heading into the last year of my, you know, my deal. And you want to make sure, you know, you're getting a return, you know, for your assets, right? So, you know, if I'm the Lakers, I take a very hard look at this with the position that you're in. You know, I know what I can provide for a team, you know, my, my leadership, my shot blocking, you know, my three-point ability, and just my ability to make plays out there on the floor. And I take a very long look at it. But as far as pulling the trigger, you know, that's uh, – I get paid to shoot. Now, you know, I'm not meant to, to make these calls, so I, I couldn't answer that. <laughs> Alex, I'll leave it pretty open-ended. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, if it was a hypothetical question and he didn't know that that was going to be asked – I think he answered it well, but I also think Miles is a very smart guy. He knew exactly what he was doing when he went on the Woach pod because it just gave him a national platform to kind of open campaign, like Lakers trade for me. I'm going to be a free agent at the end of the summer or at the end of the season. So uh, it felt like just kind of like him campaigning for himself and the future uh, of his career. Uh, and, and then talking about the Pacers, you know, can't lose them for nothing, basically. And there's a lot more that was in that uh, – in that entire podcast, I listened to the whole thing, but 
a lot of it just kind of circled around like you can tell Miles is ready to you know, get a little bit more national attention than he's been getting here in Indiana. And, um, you know, that could be a good and a bad thing for him if he, uh, you know, plays as inconsistent as he had his whole career. Yeah, a couple thoughts I had. You know, after what happened to DeAndre Ayton, you know, I, I don't blame Miles for saying mm-hmm. what he said. Um, I appreciate his candor. I think you would like to see him back it up if you are going to talk like that and do something that you don't typically see. Don't have the night like you did the other night um, and playing so poorly. On that front, um, we're a long ways away from February and the trade deadline, but would you, I, I don't know, maybe I'm reacting too much to the first eight games. You think Buddy Heald gets you more in return or Miles Turner if they are traded separately? Um, I still think Miles does because he's younger. Um, he's, you know, the only thing that would be a little bit concerning is he is in a contract year. Um, but Buddy Heald, he's been playing lights out. Uh you know, I don't know if this is his like career shooting numbers, but I do know it's his career numbers and rebounds and assists. And that's one thing that I think Rick Carlisle's done a good job of with Buddy Heald is they've put him in a position where he can be more than just a shooter. He can be a little bit of a, of a playmaker here and there. So, um, you know, I think if Buddy continues to play at this high level, you probably could get a first round pick for both of them. But I don't, I don't necessarily think that people are going to look at Buddy, who's a little bit older than Miles, and, and give up more for Buddy than Miles because, you know, Miles on the right team, like you put Miles in the Lakers, I think that it does make sense for him because there he is playing with, you know, a star in LeBron James, a star in Anthony Davis, and then you get pieces around him. Yeah, that he is a nice complimentary piece. Uh, so, so is Buddy Heald. But Miles' defense is what you want in the playoffs more than anything. And uh, I still think Miles gets you more, but it, it's close. Turner's comments to, to the Lakers on the Woj podcast reminded me of like me trying to talk to a girl at a bar in college, talking myself up and trying to get it going, <laughs> and then like, yeah, then then the game yeah, comes I and I spill beer yeah. on myself, my flies down, I look like yeah. a complete idiot. So well, there goes Mark home alone, <laughs> single again, pizza for one, <laughs> big deal. <laughs> uh, I, speaking of Buddy Heald, by the way, I really like the way he's played so far. I know he's on the trade block. Like since he arrived, he's he, they'd be like, well, he's it's just a stop until he goes to his next destination. Is there any chance if he keeps playing like this that the Pacers are like, you know what, Buddy Heald might be a guy we can keep on this roster and build around, or is he strictly just a, a trade asset for them at this point? You know, that's a really good question. I I would honestly say if you look at the entire roster and all the veterans, he's the only one that makes sense long term for this team. Um, the only reason you might say no is because there are shooting guards and, and wings be, behind him, and like Matherin, Duarte, Neesmith. But you know, if you could bring him off the bench and kind of let him anchor that that you know second unit, you know, moving forward, that wouldn't be the worst thing. Just because we know he's you know he likes it here, he's played very well here, brings a lot of positive energy in my opinion. Um, but defensively, you know, there's still a lot to be desired with Buddy. There's no doubt about it. So. I, w- I would say that, you know, out of all the vets, he makes the most sense to keep around. But with the Pacers trying to get younger and, and, and get these other guys more opportunities, I don't really see it happening. Um, but but that's that's a really intriguing question because you look at Tyus, you look at McConnell, you look at James Johnson and Miles. Like, you could say Miles makes sense, but you have so many bigs right now that you want to get on the floor. Uh, and there's just, there's just not enough room there on the roster uh, for Isaiah Jackson and uh, even Terry Taylor can even get in the rotation right now because of uh, how many bigs they have. So I just I just think Buddy fits what they're trying to do offensively the most. But 
I, I just don't think they're going to really hold on to him, seeing that he's going to be 30-31. And he wants to be in a winning environment, and the Pacers really aren't there right now. Again, it's Alex Golden with Setting the Pace. He joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, do you think there should be urgency to get Benedict Matherin in the starting lineup? You know, a lot of people have been asking me this, and I said I really don't mind that he's coming off the bench. I think it's uh, a little bit easier for him to kind of ease into the game, see what's going on, and, and then play against second units first and get himself going and kind of be the focal point of that second unit. Because if he starts, you know, is he kind of going to get lost in the shuffle? And I think we saw that a little bit um, uh, um, against the Nets after he had a great first half. He had 22 points. He only scored 10 points the second half, and it felt like they weren't going to him very much with, with Buddy and Tyrese out there. So, you know, I, I think he's fine in that role. As long as he's getting 25 to 30 minutes, I'm cool with that. He's playing close to starter-level minutes, but when he's playing like the, the 20 to 24-minute range, I hate that because um, I just want to see him out there as much as possible. And I think them talking about this being a year of, of learning and growing, get him as much time with Halliburton, Duarte, and the guys that you see for your future and quit, quit putting him, uh, quit limiting his minutes and, and playing him with combinations that might not be there for the long haul. What'd you make of the end of game the other night? I, I, I'm a little torn on like who should be creating, who should be handling it late. You know, Halliburton had a couple turnovers, really uncharacteristic for him. He had a lot of turnovers, frankly, on on Monday night. You know, I don't know if Matherin's that guy just yet, like individually one on one. You know, based off the hot hand, Duarte probably should have gotten a few more looks late, uh, but I guess how do you view the Pacers right now when they do get into these late game moments? Because, you know, putting the joke of me thinking they'll win 30 to the side for a second, late game situations were a big issue for the team last year. And I do think that's a critical part moving forward of, okay, when you get into these moments, you want this guy to be handling the ball and, you know, kind of clearing out for him. Yeah. I would say right now, just because, you know, they've, pretty much deemed, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, the franchise, uh, you know, face of the franchise. You got to put the ball in his hands and let him have that opportunity to at least be able to do it. Turns the ball over some, I get it. And I also think, you know, if, if, if Matherin's playing great or Duarte's playing great, you know, feed the hot hand. I don't think it should matter um, who who you are. It's not like a, a Paul George thing here where he's mad at CJ Miles for, you know, shooting a game-winning shot that looks pretty good, you know. Um, I think that overall, maybe in a couple of years, you're going to be like, okay, just give it to Mather and get out of the way. Because Mather is that guy that's going to try to create contact by, you know, getting into the lane. Maybe he gets fouled. Or he just he just is stronger and gets to the basket. I think Halliburton um, is a great facilitator. We're starting to see him become more of an aggressive scorer, but he just doesn't have the aggressive scoring ability like Mather. And so uh, just not as natural instinct for him. So, I still think right now with this team, this season, put the ball in Halliburton's hands for the majority of the time and let him make those decisions on who he wants to give it to. Uh, but I think overall, if, if the hot hand is Chris Duarte, if the hot hand is Buddy Heald, find a way to get them a good look and, and let them kind of be rewarded for their play overall. That's what I was telling Kevin the other day, Alex. Alex Golden of the Setting the Pace podcast joining us on Kevin and Query this morning. It, it seems like there's, just con- there's guys who step up on a game-in, game-out basis, so maybe – Miles Turner doesn't have a good game, but then Chris Duarte steps up, or Tyrese Halliburton, or Benedict Matherin off the bench. There seems like there's contributions coming from all over the place, and it's just a group of young guys that don't know what they don't know. They're just giving out their best shot, 
every night. I mean, they got Steve Nash fired from Brooklyn yes, yesterday. Apparently, should, should that's count what we, for a win. That's what me. we figured out. So, I mean, what what are your storewall thoughts of how the roster has been made up? Because I feel like it's just there's good cohesion going on right now. It's something that we haven't really seen with a Pacers squad, uh, especially with how much youth is on this team. Yeah, no, that's a great point, and um, I've really been impressed with with how they've uh, developed such a group of guys that want to play together. Um, it, there's been times, you know, when, when Matherin's probably looking for a shot too much, and you'll see Buddy Hill come up and tell him, hey, you know, look over here, this guy was open. I think all these guys are just hungry, ready to be good, ready to be great, and, and they understand what, what this season is all about. And so they're, uh, they're able to kind of play together and not get too big of an ego because I think the Pacers really wanted to focus on that is getting good guys in the locker room that, you know, are going to be focused on themselves. And they've dealt with that before with, you know, Vic a little bit. And uh, maybe you can even say Sabonis to a certain degree. I don't know if I'd go that far. But, you know, um, probably the only guy that really talks about himself on this team right now is Miles Turner. So, um, overall, I think these guys are just all in it together. They see the potential of this, uh, of their future together as a core. And, um, you know, with Tyrese Halliburton leading the way, I think that really is an indictment of what this team's going to be. Is It's all going to be based around how Tyrese leads them, and I think um, they're all following suit because he is uh, an incredible leader, um, and he's really a connective guy. Alex, last one for me, and appreciate you gutting it out this morning. Um, you know, when you look at – and I feel like we, we have to do this you know, every so often this season. You look at the big picture because that's what this year is about. Um, I brought this up to Mark earlier in the week. I view the Pacers puzzle as, and really any team's puzzle, but you're trying to find three frontline dudes. Um, I think Halliburton and Matherin are two of those three. And by frontline, I just mean, you know, potential stars, 20-point guys, et cetera, all-star caliber players. Um, you got to go find another one to join them, and I think your draft capital next year would, you know, hopefully lend to that. And then you got got to find probably three or four more complementary pieces. So, is that a Jalen Smith, an Isaiah Jackson, a Chris Duarte, Andrew Nemhard? You know, those guys, Neesmith, they are competing to, you know, kind of make up a seven or eight man core for the next few years. Uh, how do you view kind of that thought process? And if you are looking at a bit of a roster moving forward, do you look at a center and maybe like a, a, a big wing uh, with a defensive emphasis as two pieces that still need to be found? Yeah, I agree with you there with, you know, Halliburton and Matherin being really only two, you know, front front line guys there. I think everybody else on the roster is pretty complimentary, and I don't mean to kind of hold back anybody's potential with Duarte, with Ajax, and all that kind of stuff. They just feel like really good role players. Don't really see star in any of them, but I do see really nice pieces next to them. But, yeah, I, I agree. They could go center, but at the same time, I really think they need a defensive wing more than anything. Um probably someone that can guard the, the, the Paul George types, the Kawhi Leonard types, because right now they don't really have that. They're all like Benedict Mather and Chris Duarte. They're all a little bit undersized for that position. Um, honestly, the, the guy that probably fits that mold the best for the team right now is James Johnson. Just looking at his size on him, like you probably want someone like that tall and someone that can put the ball in the basket as well. So that's what I think they need to address. But, you know, um, I think Isaiah Jackson or Jalen Smith is good enough to be a starting center in the league. I just don't know if that really matters too, too much because, um, you know, Nick Claxton to me, uh, someone on the Nets right now, I don't think he's like this great center for the Nets, but uh, 
with what they're trying to do, he he fits their system. And I think Isaiah Jackson could kind of be that guy um, for the Pacers if they get that if they get that right wing. But um, if they get Wembenyama, I mean, you don't you don't really care about what position that is. That's that's your center right there moving forward. But other than that, I think they need to get more wings and, and not so many guards because I'm worried about this team being a little bit too small moving forward. Amen Thompson, would that make sense? Uh, Amen Thompson, yeah. Amen that, Thompson? Yeah, that that kid is the one that I think I would almost take if uh, Victor Wimanyama, uh, if we don't get Victor. A lot of people would say Scoot still at two, Scoot. and I probably would still go that route just because he's a special talent, but uh, Amin Thompson to me is the most, uh, the best fit, I guess you could say, outside of Wimbenyama, in my opinion, for this Pacers roster moving forward. Is it overtime elite for him? Is that right? Yeah, him and his brother Asur are playing there. They're twin brothers. Asur is more of a kind of an offensive guy, um, but uh, Amin's a little bit more athletic, much more of a defensive minded guy. And his offense has actually started to come around over the last couple of months. So I think he's a guy that a lot of Pacer fans would fall in love with once uh, he got here to Indiana. So that, that's someone I'm really keeping my eye on just because I think he's a special talent. He's Alex Golden of Setting the Pace. He joins us every once in a while to talk Pacers. We always appreciate the time. Alex, feel better, and we always appreciate you hopping on with us. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thank you so much. Alex Golden right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Do you see what Jake's watching on the flight? Well, he sent me the thing the other day that was – WWE Monday Night Raw in Italian. So what is he watching now? Is it like Paddington 2 or something? Well, he's got Charlie Brown Christmas, which I find very ironic. Didn't we have the caller earlier reference a Charlie Brown analogy Mm -hmm. for Jake? That is a bit eerie. It's a bit eerie. It means he's either listening or he's just, just a very weird coincidence. But he's watching the Christmas one? Yeah, mm hmm so he's just jumped straight over Halloween, skip Thanksgiving, going right to Christmas. Yeah, they're uh, they're skating Charlie Brown Christmas for Jake. He'll be back tomorrow. Do we be bearing any gifts? Uh, maybe. I don't know. He showed us those donut treats a while back, and then he kind of like ghosted us as far as like any other notice. The only other thing I saw from him aside from that and the Monday Night Raw Italian clip was the cannabis store right next to the Taco Bell, right next to like a very nice building, old-timey building in Barcelona. Was that the What the Bleep candy bar? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Is it, this, this is the, the, the movie option on the flight was Charlie Brown Christmas? How can that be? <laughs> you gotta have a few more than There's that. There's gotta right? be more than that. There has to be. There's no way. They're like, today's flight, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Christmas with the crank something? Like, Jake just lets out a, yeah! Woohoo! He's probably humming that annoying song in it too christmas time is here what what should be the uh, let's not go annoying on that song by the way it's, it's okay it's, it was like uh, it's very dreary for season for a christmas to- song it's very dreary what should be the bet notre dame clemson for jake and i loser has to paint their chest and on the show on the show uh the monday after and wear it the whole time Paint of the chest? Yeah. You have to put that that team's like logo on your chest. Do I get points? Why do you get points? They're favored. Clemson's favored. Well, that's up to you and you and Jake to decide. You're the third party. I'm here. the moderator. Well, I can we can agree to terms. Like you guys can put forth your proposals and then I'll be the I'll be the uh non biased moderator. I'll determine what we come up with. College football rankings. Jake could probably be thrilled to take his shirt off, probably. 
Hey, is this is this thing on my uh, back healed? He's you gonna, look at this. He's going to make sure the tanning bed had a visit or two before he does that. Uh, the college football first playoff rankings came out last night. Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan. That's one, two, three, four, five. Bama, TCU, Oregon, USC, and Brian Kelly's LSU Tigers. Round out the top ten. Uh, a couple Big Ten teams, Penn State at 15 and Illinois at 16. we got some great games this weekend. Yeah, it's been a nice change. Like, last couple weeks have kind of stunk. but Tennessee at Georgia, so that's one versus three. Mm-hmm. And then Alabama. Is it Alabama at LSU? I believe that's right. So that's what, six versus ten? Yep. And then Notre Dame-Clemson is that night game. Obviously, Notre Dame nowhere. Close to playoff consideration. Tennessee Texas Georgia, to Kansas 330. State. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Alabama at LSU. That's 7 o'clock. Man, There's great. some good ones. Great, great game. All right, uh, pop quiz coming up in less than 10 minutes. And what, is it a two-pack or four-pack? Two-pack. Pair of tickets to WWE SmackDown November 11th at Gainbridge Fieldhouse. Week from Friday, mm-hmm. that is. Um, you might have to fight Mark Dykton to get in the building that night. Um, so I'm a lover, not a fighter. You're coming up in less than 10 minutes. Let's hit a morning check down. The morning check down brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. McCullers to Harper. It's good. Right center field. Lightning strikes. 2 nothing fills. Woo, that crack of the bat by Bryce Harper, and it was on for the Phillies. They routed the Astros 7-0 to take Game 3 of the World Series. Big stick swinging in Philadelphia last night. That was the first of many for the Philadelphia Phillies. They go up 2-1 to one in the series. They have Game 4 tonight in Philadelphia as well. First pitch, 8-0-3. Uh, Aaron Nola getting the nod on the, on the mound for the Phillies. John Smoltz was all over that last night about Harper sitting on a first pitch breaking ball. Um, how Lance McCullers usually pitches to lefties there. Harper definitely did that. Uh, five homers for the Phillies. Kyle Schwarber hit one to deep center. Um, and they got more out of Suarez, their starting pitcher, than certainly... Um, I think a lot of people thought going into the night, yeah. and now tonight they pitched Nola, Christian Javier. All of a sudden, things are looking like Philly could. Philly could do it. I mean, they maybe could, not in seven. Could they do it in five? Uh, you stole my thunder. I was just about to come in with that. Philly in five? Are they, they going to beat Verlander? I still don't think so, but uh, heck, it seems a lot more likely now than when I was saying Philly's in six. Right, I mean, fellas? Verlander's postseason stats are not good. Have you seen those? Now, like, how was he in game one? It's pretty bad. And, but better than he, honestly, he's been yeah, most he took postseason. The loss, I, think, I, think. I think he's still searching for his first. They got the big lead, right? They, well, they took a 5-0, but that diminished real quickly. Fourth yeah. inning, Phillies cut into it, took it back by the sixth. Yeah, second time through the order. Yeah, what an atmosphere last night in Philadelphia for game three. Again, game four, as Mark said, tonight, game five tomorrow, while the Eagles take on the Texans down in Houston. Uh, if it goes to six, an off day on Friday, and then games six and seven back in Houston this weekend. It's Tuesday night football, which means it was Maction Ball State top Kent State twenty-seven to twenty, so that got going there. Uh, college basketball tonight. We got a 
four-pack of exhibition games. Notre Dame takes on Xavier, Louisiana, Evansville against Huntington, Purdue against Truman State, and Southern uh, so- Southern Indiana against Midway, Kentucky. So your college basketball is give that to me up again. Here. Midway, Kentucky. Yeah, is that an airport? I don't know. It's not the one in Chicago, that's for sure. Might have better better wait times, but yeah, Southern Indiana against Midway, Kentucky. And we're hoping for Thad Mata tomorrow, is that Hoping right? for Thad Mata. Looks like that that might happen. We definitely have Mike Reese, Patriots beat reporter. He's going to join us. He's from ESPN. He'll join us tomorrow to give a little Colts-Patriots. A game that's gone completely under the radar Gosh. so far because there was so much going on with the Colts. NFL trade deadline yesterday. They moved Naheem Hines to the Buffalo Bills in exchange for Zach Moths and a conditional sixth-round pick. We still haven't heard the details of what would make that a fifth-round pick. Hopefully we'll get that a little later today. Also, the, the Colts continue to make news. They fired offensive coordinator Marcus Brady. Noah interim named on that front. Um, Frank Reich will certainly take over even more duties there, um, but that'll be something for Frank Reich. And I'm curious, Mark, as we get ready for the Colts to get back to practice this week, obviously injuries, quitty pay. Uh, Does he get back with Tyquan Lewis out for the season? Jonathan Taylor and that ankle. Um, But, you know, what do you do at quarterback if Matt Ryan's health? Is Matt Ryan the backup and Nick Foles is the third stringer? No idea. That's a fun debate if you're a Colts fan. You get to figure out, is, is Matt Ryan or Nick Foles the backup to Sam Ellinger? Again, just like we drew it up all Fun debate? Season. Is that how you would word it? Oh, yeah. Fun debate with, I mean, probably another F. Word that starts with F is what you'd like to use for that debate. But, um, yeah, NFL trade deadline, tons of moves. Most most exciting NFL trade deadline by far. Guys like Roquan Smith, Bradley Chubb. Chase Claypool. So Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins. You slot them where in the AFC pecking order? Boy, I mean, they're nipping at the heels of the Buffalo Bills in the AFC East, at least. Boy, are, are they that close to Buffalo? I don't know if they're that close, but I'm saying as far as, like, they're taking swings. They're taking swings to come at them. They're, they're yeah, trying they to move the Patriots and the Jets down the pecking order of the AFC East. Um, I don't know where they sit in the the out, the out you know, big, pers- big picture of the AFC, but, I mean, they're sure, certainly making moves between – Getting Teron Armstead, trading for Tyreek Hill, now getting Bradley Chubb. I mean, they're taking big swings to try to do all they can to make Tua and the Dolphins a thing. And I like what Mike McDaniels has done so far. He's been very good. Coach of the year candidate. I like what they've done down in Miami. So I think, I think Mike Vrabel deserves some votes for that. Oh, yeah. All right, pop quiz time is here. Again, two tickets to the WWE Friday night smackdown on Friday, November 11th. That is at... Gamebridge Fieldhouse, along with the signature Jiffy Lube oil change. Give us a call, 317-239-1070. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, 
Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Well, we, uh, <laughs> well, Patrick, I feel like we just built the Colts offensive line. Yeah, we're really plugging along here. We we're in the break and, uh, I go, uh, Kevin, did you get a pop quiz today? He's like, oh no, I didn't. And, uh, so yeah, we have literally whipped this up in the break. Got Scotty J is out. So, uh, we have come up with our own pop quiz. Three questions for myself, two from Mark. Um, and yeah, we'll see how this goes. I, I don't think the degree of difficulty is very much, particularly if you've listened to the show today, right? It shouldn't be that hard. I mean, literally, we've made this in like the last four minutes, so it, we we weren't going for like brain busters here. Yeah, it's, these certainly don't qualify as that. All right, uh, number one through eight as we give away, again, uh, the pair of tickets to WWE next Friday night at GameBridge. What color do you want to go with? Uh, I'm asking you for Oh, for, you're asking me? Oh, for a boy. number. Let's go with number uh, four. Number four is Thomas. Thomas! Four oh, is the number of times that we whipped this question up. So, what's up, Thomas? Yeah, How you doing? Don't be mad if I don't get it. Oh, well, we never mad. We're just happy that you gave us a call and you're going to provide a nice uh, man, effort. I listen to you guys every day. Thank you, Thomas. It means a lot. Where are you from? I'm from Indianapolis. Um, Jake would want us to say, what was your high school mascot? Lawrence Central High School Bears. Ooh, Thomas, we got a big one. Cathedral and LC Friday night for the sectional crown. Yeah, that ought to be a good one. Yeah, I um, yeah, this- I do think it'll be a good one. Looks like a lot of renovation over there at LC every time I drive by. Yeah, yeah, they're in Lawrence North. Lawrence North is actually building yet another pool there. Really? Well, yes. I guess someone needs to dethrone Carmel from the girls swimming State championship run. Uh, Thomas, you a WWE fan? I am. Who's your favorite wrestler? Uh, back in the day, it was Sting, which was mainly WCW. Well, Mark Dykton might have a question for you yeah. on this I do this like Undertaker, list. though. Okay. Well, he won't be there, but you'll see a bunch of other people there. Yeah, I know. All right, let's get it started here. Number one for Thomas. Thomas, who hit the first home run last night for the Phillies? They hit five in total. Alec Bohm, Brandon Marsh, Bryce Harper, or Kyle Schwarber? I'm going to say Schwarber. I don't know anything about baseball. Oh, one more guess. Bohm, uh, Marsh, Harper, Schwarber. Um, Harper. Bohm. Trust I your gut. Right if I say them all. Trust your gut. Okay, I'll go, I'll go Harper. All right. Question two. I want you to be to listen to the wording of this question very, very carefully. Who is the only NFL player to net a first-round pick in yesterday's trade deadline? Bradley Chubb, Naheem Hines, Christian McCaffrey, or Chase Claypool? Uh, Christian McCaffrey. You said yesterday, Mark? Yesterday. Yesterday's trade deadline. Um, Naheem Hines. 
Boy, I wish. Oh, man, boy, I'd be. Man, I told you I suck at this. <laughs> Thomas, you'd be people running around the circle naked if the Colts got a first-round pick for Naheem Hines. Yeah, that's true. I think I got Tim oh, Horton's who got coffee. a first-round pick? Uh, Chubb. A lot Seems of like, hints so far with Thomas. No, Th- Thomas does best on the third guess, <laughs> I've, I've realized. Thomas is a third guess guy. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. Surely, you know, he will eventually get there. Okay, where did Zach Moss go to college, Thomas? You probably have never heard of Zach Moss. Um, the Colts traded Naheem Hines to the Bills. They got a conditional six-round pick. And they also got Zach Moss, a running back who played in a cold-weather climate in college. BYU, Washington, Oregon. Or Utah. Um. Oh boy! Whoa, whoa. Oh watch boy! My mouth. Uh, yeah. Gotta watch my mouth. Did we get it? Washington. Did we get it in time, Sam Fritz? Yeah, I dumped it. <laughs> I just got an email, a company-wide email, about cursing the other day. Oh, there Thomas, goes Thomas, that was beautiful. All right, here's your WWE question. All right, Thomas. He's going to be here on on Friday Night SmackDown. How long has current WWE Heavyweight Champion Roman Reigns been champion? How many consecutive days? A, 284. B, 366. C, 791. Or D, 2,803. 791. Woo-hoo-hoo. Man, no third guess on that one there. That was confident. Woo, that was impressive, Thomas. Acknowledge me. Yes. That's right. Yeah, you acknowledge the bloodline. All right, last but not least, Jake Quarry returns tomorrow after a week-long trip to Europe. Give me the two countries that Jake visited in Europe. Oh, man. Um, man, I heard him talk about wanting to fly somewhere to go see something, too. I, I don't. <laughs> well, that is what you tend to do okay, on a vacation. Yeah, you fly yeah. somewhere to see something. Well, Insert a country hey. in the somewhere part. I don't know, man. I told you I suck. They're both good at soccer. I don't know if that helps you out. I feel like... Brazil. Well, No, Europe, Thomas. Hey, you said soccer. (laughs) I know, Um, but... I thought we half-assed this thing whipping it up at the last second. No, Manchester. Hey, hey, your listeners are getting a good laugh out of this. No, okay? they certainly are. Okay, Manchester, it's a new country to me. I didn't read maybe with the uh, <laughs> prime minister change. Yeah. Hey, geography was never my uh, my forte in school. Okay, Manchester and, and where else? United Kingdom. The United Kingdom. The great countries of Manchester and the United Kingdom. the same thing? All right, let's see how Thomas did. God, Jake oh, God. would be so embarrassed <laughs> with that effort there. All right. At least you're going to WWE. So, I mean, it may have felt like you took a chair shot to the head, but at least you might see some on Friday night. Yeah, I guess November that's 11th. a little bit of a saving grace. Uh, the first home run last night for the Phillies. Said Schwarber went with Bohm. Eventually, we got to Bryce Harper. Uh, third time's the charm. Who's the only NFL player to net a first-round pick in yesterday's trade deadline? He said Bradley Chubb. That was correct. Christian McCaffrey was traded earlier in the week. Uh, Naheem Hines definitely did not get a first-round pick. Neither did Chase Claypool. He went for a second. Uh, yeah, we'd be have naked people in the streets if Naheem Hines netted a first-round pick. Build a statue. That would be a fleecing right Build there. Build a Chris Ballard statue oh, yeah. for He'd that one. Lifetime contract. Uh, this from John. Thomas said he listens every day, but I think you might just turn the radio on and fall asleep. Well, that's, you know, sounds like some people maybe we had on earlier. Uh, where did Zach Moss go to college? Get a new Colts running back. I said cold weather. I guess Washington's kind of cold. I would say Utah's colder. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. 
That was his miss, right? That was his miss, yeah. He did nail I mean, he didn't even need a second guess here for the current WWE champion, Roman Reigns. Yes, 791 consecutive days as champion. How about the guessing of countries? That was... I mean, I'm not a geography guy either, but I know that Manchester is not a country. And I also know that Brazil is not in Europe. <laughs> well, you said good at soccer. Well, I said Europe before I said good at soccer. Yes, that's true. Thomas... It was an interesting effort. I won't call it a good effort, but it was an interesting effort. And uh, you got a pair of tickets to go see WWE SmackDown again, November Friday, November 11th Stand the line. at Gainbridge Fieldhouse. Hang on, Sam. We'll get your information. Uh, so have fun there. Chris, can you guys change the pop quiz to can you beat Thomas and just have him compete against callers on the pop quiz? Yeah, it's like the Charles Barkley. Like, Can you name where these guys now play in the NBA? Mm-hmm. That if, maybe could be the game with Thomas. If he goes to FCC training school, we can we can support this. Now, did you get? You said you got that in time. I, I hit the dump. Yeah. So the dump is what six seconds, seven. Seven. We had it. We have to bump it up to a seven. You can't go six. Six is risking it. Well, it was close. It was close. Sam no, had I a think I caught there. that within two. I think oh, he did too. I think if you yeah. was that quickly, your forty sort of time a, was pretty solid. I'm sort of what I think people would call a professional. <laughs> Sam Fritz has done a great job. Lord knows you're the only one in this room. Phillies and six. You whipped up that pop quiz at the last second. It might be Phillies and five. Yeah. See, now Kevin's trying to be more of a Philadelphia fan than I am. No, I've, I've inspired him. he called into your production uh, There's some hot bats, and that's quite the atmosphere. And I don't love what Houston's throwing on the bound tonight. All, All right, right, we'll do it one final time here. Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton, Sam Fritz on what looks to be a very nice Wednesday here in Indy. You are listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Britney Spears, Sam Fritz. I think Oops, I Did It Again is a very apropos re-entry song for the pop quiz. Uh, coming off the pop quiz. At in least that, the, the one that we just held. And that Thomas had one of the words we can't say? or That, and I think, you know, pretty much every single time he gave a wrong answer, he went, oops, I gave a wrong answer again and then gave two more. I would like to say, though, that Thomas was very apologetic on the phone <laughs> That's okay. and seems like quite a nice gentleman. He was at least entertaining. He like a great dude. He's yeah. going to have a hell of a time next Friday night over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Britney Spears back in the day. Woof. That was one of my oh, big yeah. crushes back then. Right. Uh-huh. Back in the day. Have you seen her now? Yeah. Still not bad. Still gets it done. Some guys in the press box on Sunday next to me looking up pictures of Britney Spears in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Like, well, I guess the game has been a bit boring, but, you know, it is a one possession. Well, I guess it's two possessions, maybe. That is a random that search, point. though. You might want to make sure you clear that search history. Maybe they knew that the Colts were not going to be able to hold on to that two-score lead. What did you think about Tuesday yesterday with as far as the sports sports news? Yeah. I feel like sports news was flying left well, I mean, and right show from every end, league. Show ended, and Marcus Brady was fired like 15 minutes after that. Yep. And then, obviously, you had the trade deadline. Uh, play out all the way up to 4 o'clock. The Naheem Hines trade went down at like four what, f- just a minute. 3.58? Yeah, I was going to say a minute or two before 4 o'clock. I mean, it was like 15 minutes left and they still hadn't done anything. Like, Are they going to not do anything? That was looking like it could be the case. And then all of a sudden, Schefter snuck it in. And also, Naheem Hines traded the Bills. It's just uh, the more I think about the Hines trade, the more I'm, I don't know, maybe this sounds kind of sappy, but it's kind of disappointing that got rid of Hines or the return or both well certainly yeah all of that but I, I would say more from the you had or felt like you needed to honor his trade request mm-hmm. um, and again I think there was more of that behind the scenes with his camp but like think about that Mark he's a guy the staff has adored he's a guy that stands for everything you want to be about 
extremely durable, versatile. I mean, those are two words <laughs> you dream of with a player, in particular, a running back. You know, r- running backs obviously struggle to stay healthy. And a guy that you talked about all offseason long, both Chris Ballard and Frank Wright. And now all of a sudden we're here, Mark, and he's traded. And he's traded for a pick that won't be there until like 160 or 200 if it's that six rounder. That to me is the disappointing aspect of like your actions did not back up your offseason words. And I think that's almost a microcosm of this season. I feel like Naheem Hines was on the deck of the Titanic and he got the lifeboat and the life preserver. Like, here you go. Get off this while you can. What did Marcus Brady get? Uh, I mean, he got a lifeboat, but I think he had a little hole at the bottom, so it was taken on water. So he's fine. He's going to make it away from the Titanic, but he might need to get like a little cork or something to put in that thing. Yeah, not great. Wild no. wild Tuesday, though. Like I said, Colts fired Marcus Brady. They traded for traded Naheem Hines. Busiest NFL trade deadline we've ever seen. Do you do, do you like the fact they've moved the trade deadline back a little bit? It used to be after I do week like six. Yeah, and that was now all, it's that after always... week eight. I think there's some chatter. Do you push it back a little more with the extra game being added? Yeah, I mean, I could see that happening too. Week six always seemed way too early for me. You don't know what's going on at that point. And with as much parity as we have in the NFL these days, I do like that it was a little later. I wouldn't mind if it got pushed back another week or something. Maybe at week 10, do it. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was nice to see so much action. It was nice to see a lot of big names get moved. It was nice to see teams actually go for it and not be afraid to get rid of some draft capital if it meant improving their team in the here and now. Um, so that was fun to see names like Bradley Chubb, Calvin Ridley, Chase Claypool, TJ Hawkinson all got moved. So it was big name guys, Christian McCaffrey had already gotten moved a little earlier, uh, before the trade deadline. So big names getting moved to new teams. So it makes the league a lot of fun, more than it already is. And now you get to see what these guys do with their new teams. It'll be really interesting to see how the Bills utilize Naheem Hines in their offense. I mean, I, it's nothing but up, I feel like, if you're Naheem Hines. They've been looking for that sort of weapon. I, I do think Josh Allen is not a guy that checks it down very often. No. So it, I will be interested to see exactly how they utilize Hines. Um, you'll split them out wide, running actual routes compared to just you know dumping the ball off to running backs. But based off talking to some people in Buffalo, they have been looking for this sort of um, this sort of piece for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, Bills have Bills have a tough slate of games coming up too. They got they're at the Jets, where the Jets have looked better, especially defensively. They got the Vikings a week from Sunday. They've got the Browns, so they they've got some games where they can really utilize Naheem Hines' skill set. And uh, be really interesting. Interesting to see how they use that going forward. Uh, obviously, otherwise around the sports world, they had Steve Nash fired by the Nets. Uh, Someone's gonna have to explain the Ime Udoka situation. I don't. Does I don't get just, it at all. Does he just get out of the suspension and then all of a sudden joins the Nets? That seems to be the popular rumor around the NBA is that the Nets have interest in Udoka, um, who I believe coached there previously as an assistant. So do they have to trade the Celtics because they suspended by the Celtics? Right. I, I would assume some compensation goes to Boston. Yeah. I mean, and then that just kind of scratches your head, too, that he has this cloud of controversy around him. There's a reason why he's suspended for the year. And the Nets are like, yeah, let's get some more uh, off-the-court issues on our team. We need more of that. We need, you know, Kyrie Irving with his comments that he's made in the recent weeks. And then Kevin Durant's, you know, issues and all that stuff, his burner accounts and whatnot. Just seems like that's a team that's, you know, 
it's a it's a be, it's a hot potato for attention. Who's who wants the attention this week? That's a good way on. to put it. Yeah, it is certainly that attention seeking hot potato is what the Brooklyn Nets seem to be. We also had Game Three of the World Series, Maction, and then we had the first four of the college football playoffs revealed too. So. A lot of lot of wild Tuesday stuff going on. For a sports fan, Tuesday was about as good as it gets as far as newsworthy items. Alex Holden said, you know, Celtics suspended him, not the NBA. He said, from what he's read, Boston's not asking for compensation. I would. So they then are I, they firing I they him? Boston, yeah, because he's still under contract, right? With the Celtics, I would, I, I would think you would want that. Just because you're asking for compensation doesn't mean you're saying we want this guy to be our coach moving forward. It's simply honoring your own contract with that. Um, what, what did you, if anything, Mark, um, make of the Colts' moves yesterday in relation to Chris Ballard and his job security? I think that question is Stephen Holder. Again, Hines, I think there was a push from his side of things to want to leave, so it's not like the Colts did any sort of quote-unquote selling, in my opinion, which was something that I wanted to see them uh, explore. Obviously, trades are a two-way street, but do you make anything of Ballard electing to kind of stand pat? I mean, no, because, I mean, that's kind of been his M.O. since he got here. As he's very quiet in free agency. He's very quiet in uh, trade deadline stuff. So, I mean, they made a move. Many would argue it wasn't a great move for the Colts. It didn't improve the Colts. Uh it didn't improve the Colts immediately. It also gives you a late, late, low round pick. So it doesn't, you know, I mean, maybe you can package that at some point. So I, I it was kind of same old, same old. Like, yeah, you moved Naheem Hines. So you lost a playmaker. You're adding Zach Moss. But I didn't really make too much of it. It was kind of the same old for me for Chris Ballard where it's like you have guys that you could move. You probably could get value for. And whether or not you're not getting enough interest, which that says a lot about the roster of, that you've said has a bunch of talent on it. Or if it's just that the asks that you're looking for aren't there from other teams, kind of says the state of the roster is not what you thought it was heading into the season, where you thought this team was a contender, and then you're seeing that the only guy you could move at the deadline was Naheem Hines. So guys like Stephon Gilmore, who aren't going to be long-term answers, Ryan Kelly and other offensive linemen that haven't shown much, they don't have much value to the other 31 teams. It kind of goes to show you what the rest of the NFL thinks of this Colts roster. There's just not a lot of help you now, guys. And that's something the Colts desperately need is they need some playmakers. They need some win because of guys. And right now they don't have it. They have some guys. They don't have any dudes. Yeah, their stars have not played like that. No. You know, if you look at, I know you can it's probably like, make a little bit of what pro football focuses rankings. Um, I don't think they're gospel. But if you look across the board, both sides of the ball, you know, defensive tackle, I would argue should be a little bit higher than what pro football focus rankings are. But if you look at Nelson, he's like... 30th among guards right now in the NFL. You look at Ryan Kelly, easily the bottom half of centers in the NFL. Yannick Ngakwe, one of As the worst in, edge rush, yeah. rushers in the uh, in the league this season. Kenny Moore, very low on, on the cornerback list. You I know, mean, those are names of guys that you thought like... No, I mean, those are your highest paid guys. Yeah. And, they, and Matt Ryan, of course, They failed to show up. Like Maybe the guy you could have sold highest on was Paris Campbell just because he's shown you something the last few weeks, but that's another guy that you're... I mean, what's that netting you? Maybe a fourth? Like, I don't know what you're getting for Paris Campbell, but it just shows the state of this roster is not what the other 31 teams deem as players that are going to make big differences on their roster. Like, we have to go get Ngakwe, this and that. Like, you're selling low on those guys, and you're not going to get much of a return. But 
It just shows the state of the Colts roster. It's been this issue before. You're going to go into the offseason. You're going to have issues at quarterback, left tackle. You've got questions of the head coach and the GM. It's just it's the same old thing. Haven't we done this like three years in a row now where they've had quarterback, offensive line, pass rush issues, failure to get playmakers at wide receiver? Like We were hoping that maybe the Colts would call it to T.Y. Hilton. That's how desperate you were for playmakers, that maybe you can coax him out of standing on the sidelines on Friday nights to watch his son play to maybe play some football like – that's where we're at is the Colts. Like, it's the same old, same old thing. Asking if Chris Ballard will be meeting the media anytime soon. I am Don't hold your breath. not under the impression that he will be doing that. Sometimes you um, see that um, around the NFL round trade deadline. The GMs will chat about their moves. I have not heard anything on that front so far. It's normal Wednesday media availability for the Colts. That'll be Frank Reich, Sam Ellinger, among others, chatting in the locker room, uh, but nothing from the GM on that front. Mark, really enjoyed it last week, man. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun. It's always nice sliding over this side of the desk. Mark Dykton right there. Sam Fritz, thank you as well. Jake Quarry will be back tomorrow. Thad Mata should be joining us. Everybody have a great day.